Hey, everybody, this is Don. Um, so as you've heard recently, there's a lot going on in our private lives that we're trying to um, work around. Unfortunately, um, it has come to a point where we will not be able to record for a couple weeks while we get things situated and settled. However, uh, we didn't want to leave you with nothing. Uh, in the past two years, uh, our sound quality has gotten better because I've actually learned how to uh, correct the sound issues that we had in the beginning and, and make the the voices and the audio sound more um, even. And um, there's just some episodes that we're super, super proud of that we've done. And one of those or two of those is the Carl Tanzler episode, uh, which uh, goes all the way back to our first year. It was our Valentine's Day episode. And um, it was a long time ago, but we're really still, still really proud of that. And we want to um, kind of uh, introduce other people to it again, because it was so far back. It was like our 24th or 25th episode that we recorded, and we've almost done 200. So uh, what we're going to do for the next couple episodes, probably um, we're going to, I'm going to re-edit, digitally remaster the Carl Tanzler episodes and um, re-release them for people who haven't had a chance to go all the way back into our um, catalog. Because uh, this one we're really, really proud of. And we'll probably um, either reach out to some people um, to see if there's like a fan favorite or maybe Josh and Ruben have a favorite that we, if we have to continue this, but for now, just, uh, enjoy one of our favorite episodes, Carl Tanzler, it's two-parter and it features, uh, our good friend of the show, Kat in her first appearance. And, uh, we will be back and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming as soon as we possibly can. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for dealing with us while we, uh, reconfigure our lives. Bye. Two Towns Over is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of urban legends, conspiracy theories, and campfire tales to find out if there are any truths behind the legends. With dark humor and natural curiosity, we tackle the darkened streets of the town we all know. Welcome to the town with no name. This is Two Towns Over. She's going to say it like that every time. <laughs> Just at the end of every sentence, because I'm sassafras, Charlie. He's like Leroy Jenkins, but worse. <laughs> All right, we got a long way to go, so we're going to go ahead and get started. So welcome, everybody, to Two Towns Over. I am Don. I'm Ruben. I'm Josh. And guys. We've got a we've got a diversity hire today. Yes. There's a girl in the clubhouse this week. Scandal. Um, <laughs> so tell everybody who you are. I'm Kat, yes. and I'm just here to have a good time, I guess. Yeah. Yes, that that's she's all a, we're ever here for. got a big thing of um, nuts. Guys, I got snacks. Mm-hmm. Sweet and savory bar mix, <laughs> imperial nuts. Oh, wait, no, and, no. And 
And also, old trapper, old-fashioned beef jerky, because she did tell us that if we gave her snacks, we could chain her to a chair. Exactly. So we did. We did. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I might have definitely no exact said words. Words. <laughs> no, exact words. Exact words. Might have definitely said I was those never going to let you forget that, <laughs> ever in my life. You That's can't right, though. Give me something like that and expect me not to use that again. <laughs> no longer is this podcast only three aging men telling you about spooky things. Yes. Now there's also a woman, so yes. special week for us. Yeah, special yeah. week. We'll see how it goes. You may never hear from her again. <laughs> it all depends. We really did it just to prove that women will hang out with us. Yes. I, <laughs> if wow, with I cannot believe the picture you guys are painting of me. <laughs> Plus, I'm married. So. Bro, <laughs> I have a girlfriend. I have a long-term serious I was going to say, literally, one of my closest female friends followed me to my new job. Like, I, <laughs> like come on now. <laughs> but uh, not only is having a girl in the house a f- new first for us, we have another first. This is going to be the first time. We have a multi-part episode. Yes, yes, the first of many. We're gonna we're That's... gonna do a, a big deep dive on this. Yes. You may have seen me mention it on the yeah. on the on the book face. We're gonna get in the there Facebook. deep and hard. What is wrong with you today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just excited that I'm finally getting this fucking thing out of my life and done. <laughs> Don has been slaving Bro. over this for so long. So literally. Um, for those who don't know, which you, which if you clicked on it, you will. We are going to be talking about the Key West legend. Oh, I'm so sorry, Don. I forgot to lay the ground rules for Cat. Where would we Cat. be without a Reuben interruption right up top? Exactly. There's only one rule for the podcast up top. You got to make it as gay as possible. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I. But does she make it like? Guy gay or I'm girl saying, gay? I'm like, I'm like, Whatever interpretation of gay you have, because we okay. are inclusive here on this podcast. So you're, you're saying we're an LGBT podcast You're goddamn now? right. I mean, I'm... <laughs> gay with love. Goddamn yes. non-binary, so fuck yeah. you guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I will do my darndest. I definitely don't know what that is for me, but I'll figure it out I, along That's the, way. the thing. You just find it along the way. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to be talking about the, 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 the Key West legend of... Uh, oh, there it is. Key West. Yeah, of Carl Tanzler. And uh, the story of his love affair with Ilana Milagro Hoyos de Mesa. You've been practicing. I can hear it. He's like on YouTube looking for somebody else. I should have even interrupted because that's the gayest we're ever going to get on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So when, um, so um, back in, back in May of last year, I um, went to, the keys uh for spring break with my son that's wild and um very fun when we went down there we ended up we spent a day in key west well if you go to key west there's two legends you're going to hear about robert the doll which mm-hmm. we've already discussed and carl tanzler um i don't know which one actually scares me more because the, the tanzler story is fucking horrific but i hate dolls yeah i hate them Probably Tanzler will scare me more, but uh, on the scale of, I mean, listen to our past episodes because, like, that scale of scared is like the scale we're talking about here. Now I'm just vamping because Don got up for some reason, and you guys should know that. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so now we have to do this thing where we both continue to talk, even though he's left the studio door open, oh, and, and now, now there's and dogs coming no, in no, no, here. No, pretend that everything's fine. I was going to say that those were the chains that we used. On oh. the- <laughs> <laughs> Cat's trying to escape. I've ruined your bit. <laughs> All the bits belong to me. 
one of many. I can <laughs> Sorry, I you. I had to go grab the book because I. This had is going to be our highest episode probably <laughs> ever. Dude. Half of us like, are. It's wild. Half of us are straight. Um. Wait, so, anyways, okay? so while we were there, I ended up buying no. uh, two books. Um, one no. was the um, the lost. Sorry. <laughs> one was the lost. Mike got you back, huh? Yeah. Right. One was the lost journals of Count Carl von Kossel, and the other one is where most of the information that we're going to be going through today came from, which was Undying Love by Ben Harrison. Um, so, yo, look how allowed... serious we are right now. We're citing sources. My man got on a this series. physical copy of this book to get. Yeah, like, and look how us, dude. busted this book is now from me too. In the did recent. you buy that new for this? Yeah. God, oh my damn. god, that yeah. makes me so happy. Y'all, Even it looks like he's autographed. What? Yeah. Wild. <laughs> That's so, cool as shit, actually. So we're gonna get into it because, like I said, we got a long way to go. Um. There is a motto among the BDSM community, safe, sane, and consensual. Now, the story I'm about to tell does not contain any of that motto. The perpetrator of this act was questionable in the sanity department. The victim gave no consent for what he did, and the hygienic issues that came about because of his actions could not be considered safe. If it sounds like there's a whole section of this podcast just to warn everybody up top, where we're just not going to make... Any jokes? <laughs> just yeah. none. No jokes. It's possible. Just gonna get real mad. <laughs> there, there will be. You haven't recorded it yet, but there will be a trigger warning at the beginning of this. Oh, episode. fully. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. I guess willing to bet trigger there needs warning. To be, yeah. Not really for this episode. Most of the trigger warning will be back half. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. We, we, might, the, the we might go ahead half. and put it up top for this one yeah. too, just in case. Just, you don't, you don't want them to get invested in the first half of the series. Yeah. Well. Okay. So uh, for the next two weeks, so again, this is our first two-part episode, we're going to be discussing the Key West legend that is Carl Tanzler and um, his unrequited love affair with a young Cuban girl, a love affair that even death itself could not quench. Gross. I already hate him. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Yeah. No. Remember, remember Little Piece of Heaven? No. No? No. Well, you can look that song up. After we, <laughs> I'm looking up the lyrics right now. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl Tanzler was born in Dresden, Germany in 1926. As a child, he lived in a castle by the name of Via Cosel or Kossel. Must have been nice. Yeah. According to Tanzler's memoirs, uh, the castle had a reputation for being haunted by a supposed ancestor of his, the Countess Kossel, who died in 1765. But young Carl had no interest in the paranormal or his supposed lineage. He was interested in electric and chemical experiments and flying machines. Yeah, that's just a bad story. Electric experiments yep. were fucking spooky yep, <laughs> at that, that time. Yep. Like, Is this song about Carl Tanzler? No. No, it's not. because it's way worse than what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> By the time he went to college... He had a stab, and I honestly think, I'm sorry, I honestly think his date of birth is incorrect. I'm sorry, because he was like in his 50s when all this happened, and that was only 14 years. No, 1926 is when he left Germany. Uh, we're just going to say that I don't remember what his date of birth is. I'm sorry, everybody. He was born at a time. He was born at a time. He was born Google Carl Tanzler. Wikipedia will tell you within eight yeah, sentences. There you go. Uh, by the time he went to college, he had established a fairly large laboratory for electrical experiments. According to Carl, he had no interest for the normal inclinations of boys his age. Time, he said, was too precious for such pursuits. And by the age of 24, again, according to Carl, he had earned a math. Now, again, 
<clears throat> I need to tell you up top. Nerd. <laughs> everything about Carl Tanzler's story, everything comes from Carl Tanzler's memoirs. Okay, so this oh. this is like this is like seeing Wolf so of this Wall might Street. Literally, just be because like the they got all of that of a crazy person. No, the events happened, oh, but shit. I'm saying that. We're getting it through his lens. We're getting it through, right. his, through yeah, his Everything lens. is through his lens. <clears throat> That's the only point of view and perspective that we have going through all of Correct. this. Correct. Gotcha. Same way with like Wolf of Wall Street. They based the movie on the book that was written by the real Jordan Belfort. Right. So it's you're hearing the story from that colossal piece of shit himself correct so it's so all let's through put on our rose tinted crazy yes glasses exactly yeah and know that that's the perspective do you guys that... ever take those off no oh i try not no to. i work retail yeah <laughs> the world gets yeah. scary when and i'm I do. in customer service for health insurance I'm so a server. during a pandemic <laughs> i'm a server at a restaurant yeah. Matt, that we, we all deal with like white people so <laughs> three oh, yeah, of the no, worst kinds of people that you can possibly serve in a job and then we have a librarian so I how just did work you with here? only old white people. <laughs> yeah, but you work with the cool, chill ones. You work with like... the ones who read. Yeah. yeah. The ones who actually like educate I guarantee themselves. you they're better than whoever shows up in my restaurant. Yeah. Like eating people are definitely I always heard... worse than reading people. I don't know why. Oh, I okay. You should see coupon people. I heard people. a woman at <laughs> they're my the same job. People, but... You guys, I heard a woman at my job say the sentence, the Pope does not need to be a strong uh, he said, uh, she said, the Pope doesn't need to be political. He just needs to be a strong leader. Okay. <laughs> I don't think that means what you think it means. And what I can't get over it. And just to show how much doing this podcast has warped my brain, uh-huh. when Kat said eating people is much worse than reading people, my first response Mine too, John. Yeah, I literally yeah. was like, cannibals? Well, yeah, of course they're worse. <laughs> and I had to think about it for a second. Uh, yeah, that fucks people up. Just a little bit. So, again, so this is according to Carl. By the time he was 24 years old, he had earned master's degrees in philosophy, mathematics, physics, and chemistry. You were right. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd. Did now, he sleep ever? That's, that's questionable. And as the story progresses, you'll actually wonder yourself. Now, at some unknown point in his life, Carl explains that he experienced a supernatural event that changed his life forever. Now, according to Carl, around 11 o'clock one evening, he sat in his laboratory deep in study. When he noticed out of the corner of his eye, a pencil began to slowly roll across the table. The pencil stopped when he looked directly at it, but began rolling again when he looked away. He tried to ignore it, but the pencil then began to levitate off the table and start spinning around in the air before landing on the floor. I thought he didn't like paranormal hoopla. Well, he didn't until apparently he made a pencil move. Yeah. Okay. Fair. I just love that I can watch somebody else's face do what my face must do. <laughs> yes. When yes. You read. Yes. Like, <laughs> Welcome to so my position. Because <laughs> I was looking, I was hearing your sentences, and I was like, "I'm about to make this face," and then I looked at Cat, and she made the face. <laughs> then, so good. Then a matchbook. A stack of books and even the table itself began floating around the room and crashing to the ground. Cool. Carl ran to hide behind a curtain to keep from getting crushed by the large oaken that's table. That's save you. Yeah. 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 God damn it, cat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. She's going to steal Ruben. my fucking job. Ruben, she's better at it than you. Oh, God. <laughs> the flimsy little curtain shall save me. Well, especially when the flimsy little curtain uh, erupted into that's flame. That's my Erupted name. into flame. Stop! <laughs> the, the flames climbing toward the ceiling then going out 
Tansler stated that he was more curious than scared and believed that the whole incident was some kind of prank. He did become angry when all four glass discs in his static electricity machine shattered. Jesus. With one. Dumb fuckers. Why'd they have to shatter? How does he think somebody did this as a prank? Right. I was going to say, who do you know and that's pranking is this? you this whole yeah, time? Yeah, like, what time? The early 19... Late 1800s, early 1900s. Wow, yeah. How the fuck... You're being pranked by a they wizard, I guess. What? <laughs> but what I think is funny is historically there actually was a lot of like parlor room stuff at the time. So oh, true. That was ninja. Um, <laughs> I have dad reflexes for some reason. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> saved my phone from death. Um, I, historically, at the time, there was a lot of like parlor like things yeah, of like seances yeah. and things and people like doing like. Smoke and mirrors. That's where they the, would the phrase push smoke the glass. and mirrors literally comes yeah. from. Completely smoke and mirrors. Yeah. So I think it's funny that he like he must have been of the mind there was a very divided. There was so much division in the sense of there was one set of people who were like one hundred percent like, Oh my god, this is amazing. And then I there was hear. the Mies. And then the people who yeah. are like, no fucking way. Like, I want to see every tripwire that possibly could happen, every closet, every cupboard, every anything that anything could possibly come out of. Like, I have a personal theory yes. that the people like me who are like, no, 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 no. There's an explanation for how you did right. this. We probably invented more tricks than the people who were trying to trick you. Right. Because we are so determined for shit to make <laughs> sense. Like, it's wild. And I guarantee that they were like, oh, that would have worked better. And then they fucking did it that way. you would have done it this way, like, just so you know. big thing for the parlor tricks is this is what year? Around? Like I said, late 1800s, early 1900s. So, oh, Okay. Well, I was thinking, it's there were seances and stuff cropped up really big after World War One. Yeah, I don't know if this is no, this is before World. This is before World War. This is more like spiritualism. Never mind. I'll I'll shut the fuck up. Everything I said is wrong. (laughs) But yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. So it's very interesting that he's all like standing on the side point of the trick. 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 When he's also like stating that this is apparently happening to him. Right. Also, this is probably completely a lie. As I was going to say, this is all yeah. as told by Tansler. Yeah, so this part is Depends on the mushrooms he had for dinner that night. <laughs> as told by Tansler sounds like a phenomenal, like, early 2000s sitcom. Yeah. Except it gets really dark. Okay. <laughs> really fast. Just so we can go ahead, and because you keep asking. He was born in 1877. Okay. Oh. So if he was 24 years old, this was literally just after... It would have been like 1901, literally. Yeah. Oh, okay. So... Right. right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I do letters, not numbers. He became angry when all four glass discs in a static electricity machine shattered, along with one of his mercury pumps, which poured fifty pounds of liquid mercury onto the floor. That's a That's lot of just mercury. poured fifty pounds like of liquid mercury. Century amount of mercury. <laughs> that joke was right. really like fucking hard for me to get out. <laughs> Started stuttering or whatever. So Carl shouted. If this is by ah. any chance, <laughs> the spirit of the Countess Anne, who perpetrates all this, give me a prompt answer. A prompt I'm sorry. answer. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Demanded. This man is the guy who's like, no, it's got to be a trick, and then calls out, if this is the the sea spirit of some countess or whatever. Yeah. Huh? You better be on it and give me an answer now. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm sorry, Ruben, but I'm, I'm so not. sad about this man already. <laughs> Immediately, in answer to his request, his other mercury pump fell to the ground and shattered at his feet. Are we sure he wasn't in an earthquake? <laughs> also, all of this mercury could explain all of the rest right, of probably. All right. the story yeah. that's probably going to mm-hmm. happen. Why all this destruction, he screamed. Why don't you just tell me in a more civil way? And as <laughs> soon as he said that, according to Carl, the movement stopped. According to Carl, is filmed in front of a live studio audience. (laughs) (laughs) Three nights later, Carl awoke awoke around 2 a.m. and saw two women standing by his bed. This is Mercury for sure. Yeah, (laughs) 100%. A tall lady lady with snow-white hair was bending over his face. She bore a striking resemblance to the portrait of Countess Anna, who is his supposed descendant. I was going to say, the one that had been haunting his, uh, his castle. The second figure. I forgot he's in a castle. Yeah, what yeah. <laughs> just just for for visualization purposes, this man lives in a Why castle. Why is this man literally Dracula <laughs> <laughs> or Frankenstein? The second figure stood behind the first one as if to hide. The countess said, "I've been trying to attract your attention for some time, my boy." But you were too engrossed in your experiments. That's why I had to use You weren't violence. high enough, my boy. <laughs> you my had boy. not yet inhaled enough mercury. But now that you have, I can speak to you. <laughs> look here, look here, Carl. I have brought you the bride whom someday you will meet. Open the gates, oh Carl. Join us on the plane of <laughs> the ethereal plane or whatever the fuck. <laughs> the countess stepped aside and drew the other girl forward. For a brief moment, Carl could see the girl's face framed in long black hair. Carl stated that the girl's beauty was so great he could not describe it. Then both the countess and the young girl disappeared. Would she have like a round face, a couple of freckles, <laughs> long black hair, nice ass? Like what? That's all anyone wants. Come on. Come on. Tanzel described another incident that took place years later after he began his self-described odyssey from Germany to the Pacific. Mm-hmm. How presumptuous. <laughs> Don't ever self-describe anything as an odyssey. <laughs> Unless you're talking about Hans Unless it's ironic. O- odyssey son. Odyssey son. <laughs> God damn it. No, we can't we can't do this. I will turn this entire episode into Dungeons and Daddies no, fan cast. Don't do that. Um <laughs> Yes a BDSM podcast. <laughs> he explains that roughly a decade before the outbreak of the First World War, he was drawn by a desire to travel east and found himself in the Campo Santo Cemetery in Genoa, oh, Italy. Oh, a white dude named Carl decided to go east, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say he was white. Why do you think he was white? His name is Carl Tanzler? Yeah. What, is I don't he white? think you need any well, other. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> was he not born in goddamn Germany or some shit? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm fuck just, out of here. I'm, it's presumptuous. Like, I pay attention, Don. <laughs> presumptuous of you. <laughs> In this cemetery, he stopped in front of a statue of a woman that, according to Carl, was an exact duplicate of the young woman in his vision. I can hear the stinger because of you. According yeah. to Carl. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be saying that a lot. But um, bum, bum. Um, I'm going to hear like a bass line every time. He stated that he stood for hours with tears in his eyes. All he could discover from the monument was that the girl had died at the age of 22 and that her name was Elena. Suddenly, according to Carl, a figure of the girl in the same white dress as the girl from his visitation detached itself from the statue and walked slowly past him, disappearing among the mourners and gravestones of the cemetery. Well, if you sit and cry for a few hours, you're bound to see things. like <laughs> Right, and well, he's remembering something that he saw in a dream, too. Which... It wasn't a dream. It was a visitation. He went to the graveside. But 
he's when when he when she was above him in the bed. I love it when Don does that bed. voice of like, no, I fully <laughs> bought in. Like, like, no, you fucking idiot. Why was, don't you see? Um, I'm sorry. What were you saying, though? He's describing somebody that he saw in like no, a visitation. He's describing <laughs> somebody in a portrait who he dreamed about when he was poisoned from mercury. No, no, no. Yeah, no. right. He's dreaming about this. He dreamed about yes, the lady in the portrait, but he's now seeing the other lady. Yeah, mm. right. Yeah. He's now this, seeing this the bride that who, was offered. Oh, so the, right. So the she dead girl her. is now walking him through the cemetery. Right. Yeah. Okay. And in the so dream, this is just more mercury. Yeah, the, his ancestor said, "I've brought you your bride, or, yeah. the, or the person who will become your bride." Right. right, and she was the most beautiful thing he had ever seen beyond description. Right, the opposite of Lovecraft's writing. <laughs> <laughs> so, but or the same. He, yeah, true. Mm-hmm. He he made up this face more or less in a dream, or took it from somebody that he had randomly already Whatever seen. His because ideals, that's you know that's yeah. exactly yeah, your brain how our can't brains work. Just combines features that it has seen yeah like when you i don't know if anybody else but like when you dream like when you wake up the next morning you're like oh wow that was just like a download of everything that i thought and or seen throughout the day right and so sometimes i'll have a dream and i'll wake up and i'll be like wait who was that about and then i'll realize who who was in my dream but then realize that their face actually looked nothing like it did in the dream because uh-huh. i remember what their real face looks like i'm like oh my brain had it wrong mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. really he could imprint that idealization oh, onto just about anybody yeah. because it was a made up face from a dream mm-hmm. so carl gave chase well into the evening but no one he asked had seen the woman and eventually the gates of the cemetery were closed and after having the caretaker take one last look around, only to find no one among the maze of graves, Carl gave up the hunt. In 1910, Carl moved to Sydney, Australia, where he was employed by the Australian government as a civil electrical engineer and an x-ray technician. Kind of was an odyssey, though. The man was a little bit all over. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. He's an yeah, Australian but back in the now. Day, if, if anyone had the ability and or time to write their own memoirs... Well, the memoirs were at the end. Well, but I'm saying, if you are the type of person who had the time and or ability to write your own memoirs, you had that kind of a life. Yeah, that's true. And if you grew up in a castle. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. The man lives in a castle. Yeah. I was going to say, he's a, what is this, early 18th century. Germany. Yeah. Rich guy. Yeah, like, I'm that's assuming. That's what they did then, is they, go, they went to the east and they yeah. wrote about right. it later. Yeah. Did some horrible shit in between. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) So two years after he moved to Australia, Carl describes another visitation, this time for seven days, from the young spirit who would walk with him from room to room and stand on the threshold as if standing guard. Are we in the castle? No, we're in his house in Australia now. Okay, got it, got it, got it, sorry. Probably castle-sized house, to be honest. (laughs) Well, he was working as an x-ray technician, so maybe not. I don't know how much that paid back then. The spirit never spoke to him. Compared to today, guaranteed. Probably. The spirit never spoke to him, but he states that her smile was the most beautiful image in the world to him. On the seventh day, while Carl was in town, the spirit disappeared, and Tanzler stated that he could feel her departure on his way back to the house. The departure, he said, caused such an emotional strain on his body that he ended up in the hospital where he remained for three months. He's really fond of, like, non-descriptive descriptions of people. (laughs) The mercury had such an effect on my body that I was detained in a hospital for several days. (laughs) Such an effect. So, in 1914, World War I broke out. And despite having become a British citizen, because he was in Australia, which at the time was a British... Yeah, 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 still uh, prison. Australia? Yeah. 
The British placed him. Stryer. I love Stryer. (laughs) The British placed him into an internment camp, quote unquote, for his own protection. He spent the next four years in the Trial Bay concentration camp. Now, there's Wait, ver- why is he in a concentration camp? Because Sorry. he was a German during World War I. Okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The for British the- said it was for his own protection, though. Of course. That's what they always say. For similar reasons as World War II? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Germans, they... For everyone's good, obviously. Germans don't do a lot, but when they do, they go big. Boy, Bro. boy, do they go Bro. big. <laughs> and to our 12 German uh, listeners, that was just a joke. Germany's doing great now. Yeah, Germany's, Germany's doing Honestly, really probably well. probably doing better than the rest of us yeah. at this yeah. moment. Yeah, They kind of dealt with all this shit way before we did. Right. <laughs> They're like, we already had our dalliance with fascism, like, and we're going to leave that in that. the past. We're going to arrest you now? Cool. Like, So um, he spent the next four years been- in the Trial Bay concentration camp. Now, there's very little record of his time there, except for the fact that he used debris from the seashore to create a pipe organ. No, he didn't. What the <laughs> fuck? No, he did not. No. Period. I'm, I'm just telling you what the hey, man... Yeah. According to Carl, the la- the filmed in front was. of a bullshit studio <laughs> audience. Like, <laughs> um, Yeah, the pipe organ that he... He, w- w- uh, he built the pipe organ with the debris from the seashore with the help of Buddhist monks who were also staying in the camp. Okay, he, he did have help from Buddhist monks, although I don't know what qualifies a Buddhist monk to make a pipe organ from <laughs> debris from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have anything for that. It's so good. <laughs> the sad thing is, we haven't even gotten to the main part. This is just his history. I know. <laughs> we're on. We're not even halfway through page two, and we're already at thirty but minutes. Like, I just like. I, okay, if he built like a handheld instrument, I could get on board with that. But like a pipe organ is a fucking room. That's like, what that's I'm saying. Like, that's a building. That's not that's a goddamn. Not a, you don't listen, build no. that with listen, debris. I'll have you guys. You know. need metal workers and like a forge and like. And also, if you're putting that much effort into it, like build a weapon. Build. Like, <laughs> Thank you. A boat. Like build a ladder. Get over a. Get the like, no, fuck no, no, out. No. What are you like, doing? I'll have you guys know that in hit 2000 sitcom Malcolm in the Middle, Dewey made an entire pipe organ out of random household objects, and if he could do it when he was only like 12 years old, I. I think the crazy German man did Malcolm in the Middle air before or after, according to Carl. Uh, definitely it was after. Definitely after, after they stole the idea from according to Carl. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Damn, that was a good ass episode." So, when the war ended, Carl returned home. Now only o- the castle that was now only occupied by his elderly mother, who requested that Carl should move to America and be with his sister, who resided in Zephyr Hills, Florida. Fuck. Ooh, I didn't realize there germs. was actually a place called Zephyr Hills. I thought that <gasps> yeah, was just what? water. That? That's <laughs> no. where it comes from. How did you no. not know I figured that. it came it's on the from bottle. like... They're stealing our springs, bro. It's literally <laughs> on the bottle. It is. Yeah, I know. I thought it was just a brand of water. I've lived no, here my whole life. It's on the bottle. It what? says from Zephyr Hills, Florida. Yeah. I thought that was just like the name of like oh, what they honey. called a spring. No. <laughs> oh, no. It's a city called it's Zephyr like Hills. A city. It's like um, a whole city. Hey, everybody! And people who don't people live, live there and everything. Yeah, I just, I just want to say to anybody in Zephyr Hills, got McDonald's. Three out of the four of us believe you exist. Believe you. <laughs> yeah, and no, to I, everyone I else who don't live, it. does not live in Florida or no. South Georgia, I think Zephyr yeah. Hills goes to. Um, Zephyr Hills is a water. Yeah. Bottled water, because mm-hmm. I know that that doesn't exist in the rest of yeah, the Yeah, it's, it's all southeast. Yeah. What? So, Everywhere else yeah, you no, go, nobody else like, gets uh, Zephyr Hills. There's what? different regional brands. That's my favorite water. I yeah. know, but if you, go water. Up, if you go anywhere else, or at least up north, there's like something yeah, with a deer dog, on it. it. I can't like remember what it's called. Yeah, that one. Or Deer Park. 
Deer Park. Yeah, something. Deer, Park. Deer Park. Yeah, Deer yeah, Park. Yeah. That's good water. Don. Yeah. Fucking it. I, I, Did you not know I that? know that it's water, but Zephyr Hills tastes like home. Okay. <laughs> that's probably because it's the same water that's coming out of your tap for those of you it's actually because it's the same water that you swim in when you go to central florida so yeah. eat my yeah. dick but also <laughs> for anybody who heard me say that joke twice it's because these guys don't know how to listen <laughs> oh, no. he said as the person who interrupts don the most <laughs> <laughs> says the person who is the reason we're only on halfway through i'm page two. sorry <laughs> I, I definitely have not helped either so i'm <laughs> well, sorry uh, so Carl agreed, and on February 6th, 1926, he left Germany en route to Havana, Cuba, because at the time that's the path, I guess. Carl's initial plan was to leave Havana the day after he arrived on the 27th of February, but Cuba was in the middle of carnival at the time. Please, Don. Carnival. 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 Carl okay, had... I was confused until I was like, what? Carl had never seen anything like it and ended up staying four additional days in the Cuban capital under some irrational hope that he might find the mysterious bride he had been promised, but she did the not materialize. The one whose grave he already found? Yeah. The one whose grave here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I hate this man. Who else but Carl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Carl. So on March... That's a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's According definitely Carl, a t-shirt with, with, with the Josh circle like, around his head. <laughs> <laughs> hands on his hips, smiling and shit. So on March 1st, 1926, Carl Tanzler took the ferry from Havana to Key West, Florida. Now, unfortunately for Carl, his telegram to his family had not been delivered, and there was no one there to greet him, and the last train of the night had left, leaving Carl alone and lost in a new country. So it's important to realize that the Key West that Tanzler found himself in is extremely different than the Key West that we know today. Not nearly as gay. Yeah. And <laughs> so the Key West oh, of the God. 1920s was not yet a vacation destination. It was an isolated city that was only accessible by boat, plane, or the recently built overseas railroad. It was made up That's of treasure hunters, cigar makers, I mean, I yeah. fishermen, writers, artists, and smugglers. If you guys were wondering what Carl Tanzler looks like, imagine a man whose name is Carl Tanzler. That's exactly what <laughs> That's exactly like. what yeah. he's going to look like. Remove yep. his hair. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> also, Only, it's, fun, fun, quick little thing. If you... Cover, so. If you Google Carl Tanzler, like Google just lists him as a German radiographer. Yeah. Like what? That, that's that's all that's listed under his Google entry. I'm German sorry. radiographer. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't don't do any more because if you look Carl Tanzler up, you're gonna start seeing pictures of Elena and yeah. Okay. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. Quit. Quit jumping ahead, motherfucker. I fucking, you told me not to research this at all, and immediately, like, my thumbs just started Googling. Oh, of course they do. He <laughs> could not help it. So many of Key West's residents were Cuban immigrants who worked in the cigar factories. Yeah, Key West was an island. Guess what? It also sucked there when white people found it. <laughs> Carl spent his first night in Key West walking the train tracks under the full moon. By the next morning, Carl found himself 12 miles outside the city, carrying what little possessions he had. Yeah, he just decided to walk just the found, Just found 12 miles. There. Yeah, 12 miles. I mean, I guess before there was Netflix, you had to find something to occupy oh, yeah. your time. It's nighttime. Sleep, bitch. Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, we are talking I told this you is... he doesn't sleep. I already yeah. told you that. Yeah. If you were outside at night in the early 1900s, like that's a, that's akin to a death sentence, I feel Literally. like. Literally. Well, Unless your name is Carl Tanzler and you're crazy from mercury poisoning. <laughs> True. 
So um, he probably he probably turned into a fucking werewolf and killed somebody. As a matter sure. of fact, he's the thing that you needed to be afraid of yes, outside at night. That's in the what early I'm saying. 1900s. Yeah, you're old right, ass right. rich dudes with mercury poisoning that are out <laughs> not sleeping. You yeah. need to worry about that yeah. guy. You need to worry about those. I worry yeah. about that guy today. That's accurate. So by the next morning, he boarded the overseas railroad and took the train the rest of the way to Miami. And from there, he traveled north to Zephyr Hills which is a small town near Tampa and St. Petersburg. So it does exist, you racist motherfucker. How is racist? that racist? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What would you, I, I st- mean? I still don't believe you. inaccurate slurs now. <laughs> That's that was great. And also, Australia isn't real, and the earth is flat, and there's a dome, and the stars are actually holes that are poked in the top so we can breathe. And, yeah. and everyone wears a pink tutu on Fridays. Yes. Yes. That's that's Zephyr Hills. How'd you know? <laughs> so um so yeah so he moved to Zephyr Hills to start a new life with his sister. Once there, wait, where does his sister? Oh, moving to his sister. I remember. Yeah, now. he Sorry. moved to live with his sister. I'll shut up. Once there, he sent a watercolor he had painted to his wife for her birthday. Uh, his wife and children arrived in Zephyr Hills in 1927, but the re- reunion was short lived. In what amounted to probably no more than a minor disagreement, Carl walked out on them and returned to Key West. So, so this, wait, he's he's been married this whole time? Yes. Wait. That's where yes. I was coming from. But also, he just what? left. Yes. From a minor inconvenience. Yes. Uh, do we uh, do we don't I'm know so what that argument was about? Tired of you guys about? not washing these fucking dishes. I'm leaving. <laughs> you Slam. didn't like my watercolor painting. No, I, I kicked don't. a roommate out over dishes one time. <laughs> Honestly, that shit. I, I was going to say murder dishes? somebody. Yeah. For yeah. Dishes. D- dishes. Dishes are a big deal. I'm figuring like you don't like sweet nuts. You don't like salty nuts? I'm leaving. What do you mean I, I am can't keep the butter on the leave. counter? Oh, no. I would fight someone over that. I moved out because of that. I moved out of my mother's house because my of that. My mom tried to keep butter on the counter. And I told her, I said, before they left, I said, Mom, no. And I put it back in the fridge and it didn't hit the counter again. I was like, I will. I will monitor this this is so wrong see my mother tries to keep butter in the fridge and then when you need the butter the butter's fucking frozen and you don't have room temperature butter we couldn't live together no you and i we could not oh you have to have butter on the fridge no butter sits on the fucking counter fuck counter counter butter i will die on this hill (laughs) i mean if you've got a tray like one of the ones with the the lid over it has a little lid on it yeah Fuck <laughs> counter butter. Fuck your freezer butter. Fuck your this freezer butter. This is canonically butter. the argument that they had. This is canonically the argument yes, that they had. I actually don't give a shit. I just, I, <laughs> okay, I'm actually very passionate about this. I'm, I'm glad you're not because I could kill someone. As long it. as I do have my fridge butter to cook with, you can have your counter butter too. I don't give a fuck. It's okay. Fu- it's just butter. Okay. As long as I have counter butter when I need it, you're allowed to have freeze, fridge so, butter. Carl wrote in his This mem- has been a reenactment of a scene from According to Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl wrote in his memoirs, and I'm I I fought myself back and forth when I was actually reading directly from his memoirs. There was a part of me that was wanted to do it with a German accent. Uh-huh. But <laughs> why not but done? you would have had to do too much practice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> too much rehearsal. I, I do English accents better. So <laughs> the Florida boom was quickly followed by a crash, and it became necessary for me to earn a living as a specialist. The Marine Hospital at Key West employed me as a pathologist and x-ray specialist, but I built I built up a fairly well-equipped x-ray lab and peace of mind until that fateful day of April 22nd, 1930. I kind of want to try it now. 
with the German accent. But the Florida boom. The Florida boom was. Oh, don't followed. worry, my Hungarian accent has already lost us millions of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Million. I don't so, know if the country of Hungary has millions of people. And know. also, they. Mm, that's a good question. I don't know shit about the world. It's <laughs> other countries are much smaller. You do have an American education, so yes. yeah, yeah. Well. yep. And so, lots of trauma preventing me from remembering most of that education. A that is southern a fair point. American yeah. education. Ooh, mm-hmm. accurate. So a woman who worked at the hospital with Carl described him as destitute. <laughs> destitute? <laughs> the man has a castle in Germany. It wasn't his. It was his mom's. Okay. Oh, you got <laughs> shut down. You know who we hate more than anybody? All the fucking is the guy now. that's like, it's my mom's castle. My dad knows him. <laughs> also, according to this woman, he was willing to take any job in the beginning. He started as a janitor cleaning up after procedures, but it didn't take long for him to persuade his superiors, especially the head of the hospital, Dr. Lombard, that he was a technician capable of operating the x-ray apparatus. It was his work in this capacity that finally introduced Carl to the woman he had been promised almost 40 years ago. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. We spanned 40 years 40 now? 40 years, yes. Oh, shit. Fucking A. So, wait. I'm did sorry. he get the vision and then marry someone who wasn't mm-hmm. the... Yes. Okay, gotcha. He's wait. like, you'll do. I do have a question really quick. Span 40 years since the vision or span 40... So, like, is he 40 now? So, like, he was, like, 20-something when he had the vision. No, at this point, he's 64. Okay, so Jesus oh, Christ! Yeah, because the vision came when he was twenty-four. Poor so he girl. he is the Carl Tanzler that you see in yes. the photos. Yes, yeah. those photos—that is him at the time of all these oh, events. Shit. This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. So, here we go. Here it is. Elena's oh, full boy. name was Alano Milagro Hoyos Mesa. Well done. The Thank one you, you. practiced so for yes. weeks. Hey, after the fucking Japanese episode? Yeah. Ooh. Damn right. I'm practicing every ooh. fucking... It's, it's a shame that you didn't have Kat here for that. She could have yeah. pronounced all of them. She's so <laughs> good cat. with Japanese pronunciation. His cat. My cat. tried. Oh, oh no. no. Your cat would have been fantastic yeah. at I it. I like, already okay, say okay, but like... Eh. <laughs> the African one was fun too. The African that episode. one's so good. I like that one so much, y'all. This is weird to say, but like I do be feeling like connections to my ancestors and shit sometimes. When y'all, when people say this shit, just the right thing, I'm like, ooh, oh, mm. <laughs> it's, it like that. it like, hits your DNA. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like literally, like an anime. Like I feel like I should be able to speak African now. Right, like I me should when bleed well, whiskey. I should yeah. be able to bleed. When Irish I hear like, a I Scottish that. man screaming and starting to punch another Scottish man, I just I feel at home. Yes, yes. yeah. Yes. Now, are you sure that you don't? Because you got vaccinated, right? Yeah. Are you sure it's just not the five G No, it's definitely the five G. <laughs> okay. I'll I gotta get I my I gotta get, I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta get my booster. I need the five G update. <laughs> yeah. I did. And hey y'all, I've got Netflix so many vaccines nice. I'm actually on six G. I'm way ahead of everybody else. <laughs> so uh now she was named this in typical Hispanic method. Hoyos came from her father, Milagro came from her mother, and Mesa from her husband. Yeah, yeah. That's normal. Oh. She, she was the middle child of three sisters. 
Florinda being the oldest and Celia being the youngest. Now, very little is known about Elena beyond her involvement in this story. Supposedly, her family was well-to-do in Cuba, but falling on hard times and moving to Key West to work in the cigar factories, or before falling on hard times and moving to Key West. The sister's childhood appeared to be fairly typical. They enjoyed singing, dancing, and visiting the Strand movie theater to watch the latest Rudolph Valentino movies. So God, movies musical. were like still relatively new at that point, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. yeah. Were they were they talkies at the time? Like, what was it? Silent I mean, Rudolph films? Valentino, I think, was silent. Wasn't it? I think they were still in silent film yeah. era. They hadn't gotten to the talkies yet. I mean, we're, we're talking we like early twenties. Oh yeah, no talkies okay, happened yeah. in like the yeah. When she was a kid. 30s or the 40s? Yeah, I was going to say, 30s, yeah. Early 40s? Mm-hmm. Something like yeah. that. I could be wrong on that. I know because I'm watching Peaky Blinders right now, which uh, takes place in the know. 30s. <laughs> 20s and 30s. Now, one thing, that every, one thing that everyone <laughs> agreed on when it came to Elena was her stunning beauty and her generous spirit. One neighbor remembered that when, an, when they got married, uh, the only thing Elena could give her was a hand-stitched garter as a wedding gift. But the hard times never seemed to dim Elena's spirit. She was always seen with her signature red rose in her hair, and many people that saw Elena on the streets would ask to take photos with her. Oh. Elena's future looked even brighter when in February of 1929, at the age of 18, she was married to Luis Mesa, and just a few months later, she was pregnant. But things took a turn in November when she suffered a miscarriage. Her family began to worry when she started looking sickly after the miscarriage, but chalked it up to her sorrow from losing the baby. But after a few months went by with her health continuing to deteriorate, they could no longer pass it off as sadness. There was something physically wrong with Elena. She developed a recurring cough that did not go away. This caused her family to worry because the disease was ravaging the little community of Key West at the time. Tuberculosis. Mm, Yeah, it was so wet down there, too. Mm -hmm. Like One of the things that people would do when they had TB is they would go out west in the U.S. where the air is drier. Clear. They would call it clean air, but it was really just drier air. exactly, yeah. Now, tuberculosis today is treatable, though still serious, but in the 1930s, it was incurable. It was rapidly spreading through the cigar-making community due to the close working conditions, and by the 1930s, was the number one killer in Key West. The type of illness Elena had, called hasty consumption, was even worse because it quickly consumed anyone who was unfortunate enough to catch it. Hasty Consumption is another band name. (laughs) Or would that be a song title? No, band name. It's definitely a band name. Band name. Or an album title. Album title. There it is. Yeah, that. Her doctor immediately referred her to the Marine Hospital. (laughs) Her doctor quickly uh, immediately referred her to the Marine Hospital for blood work and x-rays. Nervous about the visit, Elaine and her husband rode the trolley together and walked three blocks to the hospital. Her husband waited out in the lobby when she was called into the exam room by a distinguished-looking man with a beard. Oh, fuck. Sorry. <laughs> that is a scary thing. I hate distinguished men with I beards. I know, but... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Now, there is no description of Elena's first impression of Tansler. We do have Carl's first impression of her written of course. in This is about words. to be so creepy. That was what the whole fuck was for. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. But these words are about to steve me the like fuck a... out for sure. 100%. In the middle of my routine oh, work, boy. I received a call from the head office to go and take a blood sample from a young seniorita. Who, Ugh, I a... already hate it. <laughs> <laughs> the whole room cringed. <laughs> the whole room physically like moved their head. Cringed. <laughs> Her whole... Where'd I go? Oh, who, as an outpatient, had come in for an examination. 
I hardly looked at the patient as I entered the room. The first thing I noticed of her personality as I bent down and took a drop of blood from one of her fingertips rather than one of her ears, which was too exquisitely lovely to mar, was that her hand was unusually small, its long tapering fingers the loveliest I had ever seen. As the needle struck, the hand twitched a little. Well, yeah, because you took it from the fingertip. You're actually supposed to take it from the side of the finger because you actually have a lot of nerve endings in your fingertip. You can make someone pass out that way. Sorry. They didn't know that then. Yeah. Sorry. They still thought that they could... I, no, go what? ahead. Fuck the swear jar. We're getting a sorry jar. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We're definitely getting a sorry oh, jar. Oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's as, the rule for this. The, uh, the first rule is the, the top of the podcast got to be as gay as possible. Second rule is you're not allowed to apologize. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So what does that say if I've just been myself the entire time? Then you're fucked. You're fine. Except for the sorry part. I love the fact that she's using a piece of beef jerky as like a uh, Like a pointer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was promised snacks, and the boys did follow through. So Boys, hell, it was my wife who it delivered. Was. I was going to say, it was literally yeah, As Cindy. usual, a woman did our job for us. <laughs> <laughs> and you thank us for it. And thus is the world. Thus is the world. As the needle struck, the hand twitched a little, and it was then that from my kneeling position, I raised my head for the first time to oh, say... Oh, yeah, I forgot. We were listening to this <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, I was having a good time for a minute. Now I'm I'm very sorry to have caused you pain. Forgive me, please. Disgusting. You're a doctor. (laughs) Get it together. Her face had been hidden by her hand so that I had hardly seen it when I first entered the room. But now she had removed her hand to answer me, and I looked into the face of an earthly beauty. The face of the bride which had been promised to me by my ancestor 40 years ago. I was so thunderstruck I hardly heard her saying, It didn't hurt much. Excuse my nervousness. (laughs) <laughs> I just I have so much I also want to know when he's writing this because like this whole interaction could be bullshit this is yeah. all at the end of everything yeah so like this is the like, first time you're meeting you don't remember shit there's no way <laughs> there's no way but if it's, it he's 60 on you when this happens like, uh, he's, 60, he's 60 full when of this mercury happens. as we've established yes and he's like an x-ray technician yeah. and you know that he's didn't getting use the lead coats. more yeah oh, exactly. 100% that's more radiation. My dude's brain is mush. Absolute mush. Her, her voice was soft and sweet and childlike. Ew. Oh. Ew. Already so much issue. It reminded me of a mockingbird in spring. She spoke with a Spanish accent, yet her... No in- shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting so mad at these old ass men. Like, oh, she spoke with a Spanish accent, huh? She's fucking Cuban, you stupid motherfucker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the part of the podcast where Ruben gets mad. It's yeah. your oh. favorite part. I hate it when old men describe young women. Just at Me all. too. Just don't describe them. Yep. Um, yet her English was cultured and quite good. Ew. Having I, performed... Uh, those... Uh, hmm. Having performed the duty I had been called to do, I had no excuse to stay in the room any longer. Feeling very shaky, I arose... And much too confused to say anything, I merely bowed myself out, not knowing whether I was walking or dreaming. What the fuck? <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Sorry. 
<laughs> he's fucking ra- radiated with mercury poison and like it- this is the point in time like where women during this war were like working in watch factories where they were like painting yes a, yeah the, um, the radium girls radium mm-hmm. like on watches like so that it would glow in the dark you know yep. these, yeah. this is the time era where women were like they would in between to make the brush pointier they would lick it yep so because it was also thought to be like good for them you know i mean it had beneficial like properties so they would like lick it to make it sharper and they thought they were doing like wonderful things because their skin was glowing and their skin was everything i was gonna say not only that they would use it as makeup 100 percent, and they would and they would go out because it would make them stand out more in the crowd and they could, you know, do it for free. Just, you know, rub the paintbrush on your eyebrows while mm-hmm. you're at work before you go out for the night. And so now I'm people see you glowing. Glowing. And I'm seconding Ruben in the sense of, like, they didn't use lead coats. They didn't use any no. protective measures zero, at that point like, in time. You, you couldn't convince me that these men knew enough about the shit they were doing to protect even themselves. Yeah. No, you know what's fucked up, though, is, like, way behind the scenes, uh, they, they knew. They knew that this was going to harm people. Oh, yeah. I'm talking, like... But I'm saying, like, there's a period of time where, yes, they knew, but they did nothing. Right. But, like, I'm saying this is the period where it's just before they found out. You know, it's, it's, it's very just possible. before they found out, like, especially for the x-ray machines. Like, x-ray machines were so much more dangerous than they are now. Yeah. And also, they didn't know that you shouldn't be taking those kind of doses repeatedly. Right. Like, they knew that you shouldn't have a whole lot of x-ray. But they didn't know. They thought, like, oh, you take one, and then it'll disperse, and then you take another. It's fine. No, 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 no. It's that shit happens, and you get it's. But again, my point is just that he can't be sane by this point. <laughs> no, he started in the eighteen no. hundreds working oh, with mercury, sweetie. His sanity is never in question. That's here. what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> and just I want people to realize, like, continuously realize, like, this man was crazy when we started. Yeah, yeah. And it did, and he kept doing shit like working with mercury. And x-raying shit and, like, radiology and stuff, that stuff will fuck with your head. And he's also 60 in a time where life expectancy was, like, you know, what, 59? (laughs) That's a little misleading, though, because life expectancy is an average. So like, Oh, right. Women Women were dying during childbirth. Pregnancy and childbirth deaths that brings the number down. You never, I never actually thought of that before. It's, I, I knew it and that I still is. opened so like my fucking mouth. Humans have always been living until about 60 or 70, sometimes even above that. But like, you know, if, if you've got a person who's 70, or say you've got a person who's 100, a person who's 50, and a person who dies at one, that average goes way down to like yeah. 50. You know well, what I mean? But also like legitimately in this time era and the time era like, like in the late 1800s, they wouldn't even name their children until the child made it to like five. Yep. Yeah. Because the like child death rate was so high. So they wouldn't even name them because they're like, oh, dad, what do I get for my fifth birthday? <laughs> you get a name, son, because you made it this long. Mm-hmm. Hey, new one that we're not sure if you're going to last. Come down here real quick. <laughs> Usually Literally. you have like a nickname or some yeah. shit. Like Boy. sport. We're like you, <laughs> Junebug, or some shit like that. So, Elena had no way of knowing how Carl felt about her, but Carl could think of nothing else. After four decades of searching, here was his promised bride in the flesh. And as if to support that fact, he actually was holding a vial of her blood. I hate that you just said that. <laughs> God. I really don't like 
that that you just said that. Uh, Carl, you see, like the the one of you out there has a blood vial. I know that you do. At least one of you who's listening to this has a blood vial because I think you're like, crazy. If you it's a thing a, that people do, and I think it's fucking crazy. If you have a blood vial because you're like, oh. I they drew my blood and like I wanted to keep a vial and they somehow let me because I think it's cool. No, and, like, I'm talking about prop. the people who keep Fine. like a vial but of their I mean, significant yeah, others yes. blood yes. around their neck. Blood. I only have issue if the other person doesn't know you have the vial. No, of blood. no, 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 no. I still no, think it's. No. I still I'm think it's a problem. I'm not going to that it's not. not creepy, but I only have Absolutely issue not. with it if it's the like, other person doesn't know. Yeah, save sane and consensual. Whatever. Sure. But, I'm fine with it. But like also. If you okay, if you have that blood vial as a symbol, fine. Mm-hmm. It's a little creepy, but fine. I'm not going to judge you. I mean, I like creepy if stuff. If you have that blood vial because you think it will help you in some way, then you've you, lost the same you, part of I don't know how to connect with yeah. you. I don't know any you can stay the fuck away from me <laughs> and mine. Like Well, can right. we also like state that like that level of obsession and creepy is like only concentrated on like middle schoolers, you know what I mean? That's true. Yes. Yeah. So like for a like, 6-year-old human being maybe, doing what? this? She's 22 at this time. Okay. Oh. This man is in his 60s and he's got a Vial of her blood, which is not going to be used for blood tests. We know this. So, like, my thing is, like, if you have a lock of someone's hair, or if you have, like, whatever, whatever, their notebook, like, that's middle school. I can only accept that when you are, like, 13, 14. If this part of, like, your religion or your belief system, I'm not going to get on to you for that. But I mean, that's fair. But, like, if you're 60 years old, taking a 20-some years old blood and being like, I have her life force. Let me contextualize this for you all. Imagine that you, a young woman, with a husband, has just walked into a doctor's office for a blood test. The doctor, he acts a little bit weird, but you assume maybe he's got, like, a busy day. He's been seeing a lot of people. And he's he also very old. And he's also pretty old. They're weird. Like a doctor. He's pretty weird. And when you're 20, everyone's old, right? And yeah. then you fucking... And then he walks out, and he just keeps your blood. Well, I don't think he actually keeps... I think they're just saying that the blood was proof that she was real. Okay. That he just had... Like, imagine he's walking out staring at a vial of your blood like it's a goddamn... Talisman. Talisman, or like a piece of Jesus himself. Like, it's so... (laughs) A piece of the cross. Like, you just handed him a diamond. You know what I'm saying? Like, that shit's creepy and fucked. if, If you ever go to give blood and the doctor walks out of the room and he's like really staring at that blood sample you're either gonna die or he's creepy <laughs> and in you love somehow. With you. yeah he's gonna he's gonna hurt you so carl was over the moon until the nurse brought elena's file in the room and he noticed the missus before her name but marriage would not start this her. motherfucker is married too what is what is wrong with well, no no he he, he walked out after the butter argument yeah we already know but back in that day doesn't Sorry, I got excited. Back in that day does not mean hey, that he was not that's still... sorry, John. Oh, yeah. shit. I'm not <laughs> sorry. There you go. Better. I'm going to continue on with my statement now. <laughs> so, back in that day, that does not mean that he was not still married. Things would just... It was... Oh, yeah. He was still married. Yeah, yeah still 100% married. still married. Yeah. That was more likely than to have actually gotten a divorce back in that day. Right. Uh-huh. But marriage would not stop Carl. Lest we forget, Carl himself had a wife in Zephyr Hills among the, along with children. 
We must not forget this because Carl obviously did. Whoa. <laughs> to add to Elena's misfortune. Her... You know, I would have respected him slightly more. No, I wouldn't have. Never mind. <laughs> no. No, no, he had no. <laughs> to add to Elena's misfortune, her husband eventually left her for another woman. Moving to Tampa and then eventually Miami, where he took a job as a waiter. It's always Tampa and Miami. Wait, hold on. Whose husband left? Elena's husband left her. Okay. Though he claimed that her illness had no bearing on his decision, one is not hard-pressed to assume that it weighed heavily on his mind. His wife was infected with an extreme case of an incurable disease that would eventually take the life of not only Elena, but the rest of the lives of her mother and father, as well as both of her sisters. And what's really irksome is if he didn't, if he came out of this unscathed, like he 100% could have been the carrier for TB. Like tuberculosis actually would have carrier carriers, people who like were not like symptomatic, didn't have like any like. Yeah, you guys learned about this over the last couple of years. Asymptomatic yeah. carriers of diseases exist yeah. for every disease. For every disease. But yeah, like, we learned a whole lot about that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I guess I'm not, I'm not sorry. I'm no, not you're sorry. not. There you go. You have to. You just have to take your 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 points and any and talk over people if need be. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Every it's time a, you it's say a I'm war sorry, in I, here. I, I, lo- I literally want you to say I'm not sorry right after that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm As not Peter apologetic. Pan in that little hip hands on your hips. <laughs> I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Good, we have a new character on this podcast oh, yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, Sassafras, Charlie, and PCPP hang out together. So. Do they? Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't get along, but well, it's more like an odd couple the type thing situation. The is, is that PCPP only hangs out with Sassafras, Charlie, when he's on PCP, because here's the, here's the thing. Sassafras, Charlie's not real. Yeah. Oh! Sassafras, Charlie, is PCPP to imaginary friend. There you wow. go. Wow. As of right now. The lore is so deep. We have so much lore. (laughs) We need to write it down, seriously. So we're recording. (laughs) Unsurprising to no one, there was one person that was not upset about Elena's marriage. Also, if we're successful enough, other people will write the wiki for (laughs) us, Don. True. (laughs) True. Somebody write our wiki. Please. (laughs) We'll send you a key. Carl Tanzler wrote, (laughs) Carl Tanzler wrote, Elena and her husband had separated as he had been the reason for her suffering. It was probably only human that this fact filled my heart with joy. Also, it filled me with deep pity when tears welled in the beautiful eyes of my Elena as she pointed to a car as it passed by the house. There he goes, he who was my husband. He- Where is he in all of this to be depicting this? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We're, does why, that make sense? Yeah, oh, sorry, why does he have third-person omnipotent We're, perspective? I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> um, he now lives with another girl. He, she said that to him. Oh, okay. Impulsively, I took her hand between mine and said, don't worry over it, and don't worry about anything anymore. From now on, I am going to take care of you. She thanked me with a happy little smile, and like a child, she said, yes, doctor, I'm sure you will. Uh, I <laughs> hate when you're it in the love most with when he says anything about her being as childlike. Child. I hate it the most. <laughs> no male should ever be attracted to... Too childlike anything. No. Sorry. That's that's like generically mm-hmm. umbrellaed, but Well, it should be, but like I understand if you want to say innocence, because innocence is not just childlike. No. But yes. childlike is so specifically bad. Yes. Like 
Oh. Yep. A lot of times, though, if you hear a man refer to a woman Which as is why innocent, you don't say that shit. <laughs> it's he's really just mean, childlike. Because really, he has all enough you mean, wherewithal let me to just, know that that's fucked. Let me put y'all onto something right now. When you describe a woman as innocent, there is no such thing as that. What you're describing is literally a set of features that are visible to you. It's her face shape is usually rounder with bigger cheeks. She's got a softer chin and like, you know, smaller ears or whatever and like a button nose. And you think that means innocent. It doesn't. It just means that's a round face. Get over yourself, you fucking weird ass bitches. (laughs) So... So Tansler considered himself Gross. a doctor. Though by Oh, I love that he considered himself he considered a doctor. Because a doctor. in you the early nineteen hundreds, you yeah. could just do you just be, that. you could roll into town and be like, I'm a doctor. And they'd be I like, Oh, this so. guy's sick. Like, let me just grab something for him. You could let grab yourself grab a handful of grass and dirt. monkey testicles into him and see right. if that helps. That's a real thing, by the way. Look that shit up. Yep. Though the Marine Hospital found this not to be true. He did prove prove himself capable with x-ray equipment and lab work, so eventually he was moved up from the position of attendant to technician under the close supervision of Dr. Lombard, Lombard, the hospital chief. So it was in this capacity that Carl saw Elena again. She arrived at the hospital and was taken to see Carl for a chest x-ray. Tansler found it difficult... Don't keep taking her to him, y'all. <laughs> right! Literally Tan- screaming at the characters in a horror movie yeah. that like yeah. has already happened. It, it really it's happened. Over, and we're screaming and still at like, Dawn. Please, please Just save her. Save her. It. Just don't. <laughs> Tansler found it difficult to concentrate in the presence of his darling Elena. Oh. But his fascination quickly turned to despair as he looked at her x-ray and saw what he had feared to be true. Multiple lesions on her lungs signifying an advanced form of tuberculosis. Carl knew that the hospital was not equipped to treat tuberculosis but a fierce determination welled inside him to nurse Elena back to health. He was determined to find a way to cure her. Elena and her mother, both impressed with the commitment Carl showed to helping Elena, invited Carl to their house. No. You've given him an in. This is unfortunately such a thing for this time. Mm -hmm. Yep. He went that very evening. No. I bet he did. It was at this point that Tansler began inserting himself into Elena's life on a daily basis. No. He would show up every day under the guise of taking blood samples or diagnosing her progress. For all How in- much blood did this man take as an excuse to go <laughs> well, touch he, her? He didn't take it every day, but that was one of the ways. He would also go every day to check her vitals. Her vitals. For all intents and purposes, he, so much. he yeah. had become Elena's doctor. I hate it so much. And just think. Self-proclaimed doctor, Self-proclaimed might I say. I just, want to, I just want to point out to you, Ruben, that as much as you hate the story right now, get worse the first half is the tame part of the story this is the part that he was worried about being boring i was worried about this being boring really yes i was so worried we are we gotta put a fucking warning (laughs) yeah like oh no convinced that the florida climate was not conducive to elena's well-being which is the first medical correct thing he's done yes oh man he attempted even a blind squirrel yeah he attempted at his own broken clocks right twice a day to have her go to a tuberculosis clinic abroad where he was certain she could get better, but Elena refused. So he decided to procure the equipment himself that would be needed to cure her. Could he, you get a dehumidifier in 1901? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he wrote, but also procure. Like, I just yeah. wonder. Well, like, Remember, he studied in, in electrical engineering. Oh, he, no. he was good at electrical He's experiments. He's a finger quotes doctor. Yes. 
It's an audio medium. I have to say experiments. He wrote to several firms directly and began building the equipment himself. Yup, that's what I was afraid of. In the meantime, he began to give her radiation therapy. Though the equipment from the hospital wasn't powerful enough for deep radiation therapy, any other spare time that he had, he spent building an airplane behind the hospital. What? What? Oh, I told you he doesn't sleep. Did I not start (laughs) the podcast with that? Uh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah the I man. Know, yeah. The airplane. That's a left turn. I know. He, but he, he radiates a, people. Yeah. He pretends he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. He uh, falls in love with. But also the seeing with... things might make sense with the lack of sleep. And then he mm-hmm. builds a fucking plane. Yeah. I think Mercury turned off the part of his brain that allowed him to sleep. <laughs> there yeah. You go. Yeah. So there's little doubt to those around him that Carl seemed brilliant. His theories and medical knowledge impressed the doctors and nurses at the hospital. But in the 1930s, that's not difficult. Yeah. None of those theories ever paid hey, off. Hey, maybe these people with a super wet cough shouldn't be where the wa- the air is soup. Uh, you know what's you know what's hilarious <laughs> I to me. Said last night, I'm like, it's because the because wa- the air is soup. <laughs> it's so any one of us having like just basic medical knowledge, like modern first we aid knowledge. We could have been knowledge. doctors in the 30s. If we, yeah. if we went to the well, 30s, we couldn't have specifically, we would, but you guys <laughs> <laughs> We could be the single most qualified medical. Professional people, in professionals the world. in the world. Yeah. In the yeah. world. I never thought of it that way. That's terrifying. Isn't yeah. it? Terrifying. Isn't it? Imagine what kids will know in a hundred years from now. Yeah. yeah. But then also if you take a second and think about all of like the like for lack of better words, like wet nurses as in like I'm 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 doing an umbrella in the sense of like women, because it's usually women who would know this, but like like herbal remedies and like knowing what plants were like poisonous and not That's like Cindy. Yeah, I it's, was gonna say. But for the most part, we don't have that knowledge these days. Well, you know we what I mean? Do, but true. now we call it medical knowledge. Because like if you think about it, the medication you take is made from the same shit that they were using yeah, way back in but the day. It's it is, but would you know it's what processed. plant to go get? Yeah. I wouldn't. That's the thing, is that like it is crazy what kids know, but it's also you got to think about what we're not knowing. Anymore. Right. Well, new, as a, new as knowledge a society, comes in, we know old it. knowledge goes out. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a cycle like that. So despite the fact that none of his theories ever paid off, it seemed that he walked the tightrope between genius and madness. It's de- it's not a tightrope. Hey, he's leading. He's leading hard one way. Between genius and madness. People just don't understand genius in the same way that they don't understand madness. If you are a genius, you're a genius. If you're insane, you're insane. There is no cross. So he had taken to introducing himself as Count Karl von Kossel. Of course. Though there is no proof that he was actually of noble birth. He's also made himself a count now. He's yes. made himself a doctor. <laughs> He's Jesus Christ. I, I grew up Mickey in a Mouse. castle, so I'm a count. <laughs> So save for his home in Dresden. I grew up in the castle, so I am count. Yeah. So there is no proof that he is actually (laughs) a noble bird, save for his home in Dresden. And a one ghost. (laughs) 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 Two ghosts. (laughs) 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 And a a pocket watch that he carried with him that had the inscription Count von Kossel from the Tsar of Russia. Well, that's all, that. That's all you yeah. need for yeah. validity, right? Bullshit. A pocket watch that says your account that makes if you it's a count. That's the one in a thing I believe watch. about him is that the the rush. What did you say? Count von Kossel from the Tsar of Russia. From the the only thing I believe is that the Tsar of Russia did send him that pocket watch. <laughs> <laughs> there was question of where he acquired his money, of which he never seemed bereft of, despite his occupation. My castle, bro. 
There were rumors. Paul owns a castle, dude. No big deal. Got all the money in the world. <laughs> so there were rumors that he was, in fact, in the German army during World War I, and he was receiving monthly retirement checks from the German government. But this was never proven. Now, the airplane he was building was another example of the myth of Carl, Tans- that, of Carl Tanzler being muddled. Carl stated that he had built the plane from scratch, but more likely he bought a dilapidated plane and was restoring it. <laughs> Many people who saw the plane... Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's a wild thing to lie about. It really is. It's <laughs> like Either saying you built you... a plane from scratch or you refurbished an old one. I'm equally impressed. <laughs> uh, that's true. Like, that's true. But You taught build... yourself how to rebuild a plane or build a plane, and I am impressed with you, period. <laughs> like, But I mean, like, if the whole frame is there, like, if there's a difference in the modern day between restoring a car and saying that you built a motor vehicle from scratch. I don't think your childhood and my childhood were similar. No? Plenty of things that should not have been motorized were motorized, like in my friend's backyard. Oh, sure. Sure, but like... Your dad went through like a robot building. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 100%. And my my second dad did like... Race car racing. So that was ah. the friend's backyard where I'm like, I don't think that should. And everyone goes, shh. <laughs> yep. Do not worry, young one. We, we shall all die. We, <laughs> we shall all die together. Many people who saw the plane mocked Tanzler about the size of the plane's wheels, which were, which were as tall <laughs> as an average human male, 18 inches wide and hollow. I thought you were just going to say about the size of the plane, and I was going to make it into a whole like dick measuring contest. I'm That's immediately where my brain went. I'm no, still wondering is, whether a, or not it is, because the wheels is so specific. Yeah. Check out Tanzler with his tiny <laughs> plane. No, it's a full-size plane. Um, so Carl claimed that building his plane this way with these wheels, he could use it on land and sea. That doesn't work that way. Yeah, there's a lot more to it than that. The issue was the rear wheel of the plane was not the same size and was, in fact, smaller, meaning that if Tanzler took this plane into the water, the tail would immediately sink into the deep. And you legitimately need the tail. Yeah. But much like his feelings for Elena, Carl remained undeterred. Oh, my God. I'm picturing the plane like one of those really old Victorian bikes with the gigantic front <laughs> wheel and the <laughs> the tiny back wheel. Like a uh, what is it, a penny farthing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those, but except a it's a whole ass plane. Yeah. <laughs> I can see it now. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah, but, but that's the that's the um, the symbol for according to Carl is that <laughs> it flies at the screen and then it's just a circle with Carl's face in it. Yeah, but Carl had a mission and nothing was going to distract him. He wrote. Once Elena had regained her health, this plane was to take us to a South Seas island, which I had discovered for myself during one of my fishing expeditions in Australia. Of course. Bad, bad. This is bad. This was a little paradise, and my dream was that Elena and I should spend our honeymoon there. Every time that she came to the hospital for treatment, we took time out to inspect the plane together. Those moments were of great delight for both of us. When we sat side by side in the little pilot's cabin and imagined how it would be when it carried us into the air and across the ocean. I just ocean. want y'all to understand that this, you know, f- we all know right now for sure that this woman had no idea that he was trying to like marry her or anything. This woman was getting treatment from a man that she thought was a very friendly elderly doctor. And they were uh, entertaining this man until she died. Like that was their plan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, then 
a bunch of horrible shit is about to happen. I just want to re- remind everyone that this man and unfortunately, is I so think a sinister. lot of the horrible shit is going to happen after she dies. So <laughs> sinister. So, um, according to Tansler, ha ha. Oh, Elena uh, asked. Uh, uh, that's just yeah, perfect, great. Elena Love asked it. what he intended to call the ship, to which he asked permission to call it La Contessa de Cassel. Elena agreed to the name Contessa Elena. Despite Elena's waning health, her beauty had not faded. If anything, it had been enhanced by the tragedy of her illness, which showed prominently in the darkness of her eyes. So nope. just because she got smaller and thinner. Basically. Maybe, is what her I'm getting. Her eyes probably got more like sunken and yeah. dark around. Mm-hmm. Which for the stars of that day, the movie stars of that day, that would have actually been a look. Cold yes. right around the eye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I were to meet anybody that we talk about on this podcast, I would probably beat the... F- I'm not violent. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm a pacifist. I but I don't think I could not punch this guy. <laughs> yeah. Nope. What the I've, fuck is wrong with I hear humans? about stuff like this, and it made me... Like, w- when I was younger, I always said I was a pacifist. But then I started learning about stories like this, and I'm like, no, these people deserve to die, and I would gladly do it. At no, least see, get a chair the thing, to the face. Josh, is that it's... Pacifism doesn't mean that you don't think people deserve to die. It just means that you choose to not act on violence and you choose to specifically encourage other people not to do violence. Yes, I will encourage other, other people to act on the violence. Yes. That's the yes. thing. It's like I'm I don't want violence to happen. Like if we need but that's the thing. I I can't I can't legally like encourage it so on our podcast. Deep but... inside me, y'all have heard me say shit like stone him with his own bones before. My like favorite. I My get favorite. it. But like, oh boy, I just wish I could. Oh, hit this man a couple times. Like, just with a chair, you know, upside the face. Um, maybe a several couch times. or a table. A couch. <laughs> I can get on board with that. But if he hides behind a curtain, he's safe. Yeah. Now, see, a couch is a team lift object. Well, we'll then have we gotta to set him on fire. So there, yeah. but I think I can manage that. The illness proved difficult for her parents. Not only did they suffer from the worry of their daughter being sick, but they also dealt with the anger at her husband Luis for abandoning Elena, and they suffered the financial hardship that this illness was placing on the already cash-strapped household. There was barely enough money in normal times. The cost of medical treatment meant. Tr- Meant, ugh, meant tremendous hardship. Oh my God, that's right. They're also paying him, aren't they? One hundred percent. So every time he maybe shows not. up, no, maybe not, because that would be creepier. But then Count von Kossel appears at their door, someone who seemed to have all the answers and the willingness to cover the costs financially. Ah, uh, given their vulnerable okay. mental. See what I'm saying? Like this yeah. is just a benefactor to them. This yes. is just a man who's going to, he's out of the kindness of his heart. Yeah, can you be mad at us. them for their response? I'm right. like, yes, we'll come to we'll dinner. Let, I would like to say thank you. We'll go sit in your plane. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Baby girl, you got it. You know, you got to go to lunch. I'm sorry. Just, you just say hang out he's with him. He's going to treat you for free. Just right. hang out with him. And I'm sure even Elena was like, you know, she's in her 20s. She's grown. I'm not going to. You know, degrade her or anything, but she's like she's probably feeling the same things. Like just because she's maybe been described I don't want to go out into yeah. the whatever and do this, but like maybe it's because I do need this treatment. I'm very sick, and this man is being pretty nice to me. If I if all I got to do is comment on his plane, let him name it, let him after name me. it after me. But then like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's so fucked. That's why people don't be trusting people no more these days. <laughs> yeah, like because too many of this. So Carl wrote in his journal, next in importance to the x-ray treatment was to build up physical strength. 
Every day now, I brought her fruit and some of the finest medicinal wine I could procure. Medicinal wine. I'm okay with that. I even went to the priest because he was able to get the kind of wine for me which I wanted for my sick Elena. With oh, these, I hate that phrasing. Hate my that sick s- Elena. With these combined you don't means, own her. Yeah. With these combined means, the tubercular infiltration for the time was checked. Even with the minor equipment of the hospital, and Elena's general condition did begin to improve. In fact, she told me that she didn't really believe she was sick at all. I cautioned her as best I could, but unfortunately her family too arrived at the wrong conclusion that their daughter was now cured and that my continuation of the treatment was more or less a pretext to be with Elena as much as possible. I wonder why. (laughs) To disprove this notion that she was getting better, Tansler showed Elena a set of slides of her blood work showing the red rods of the bacilli under the microscope. She probably felt better because she was actually eating properly. Like not saying that like the community, the sorry, not sorry, the Cuban community (laughs) in, um, you're nailing it. That, (laughs) that part of Florida at the time or whatever was, you know what I mean? Super impoverished. I don't know. So I can't speak for that, but like anyone in that, point in time was probably mildly impoverished you know what i mean right so for him actually to be taking his salary that he bullshitted his way to getting yeah he's like buying her actually probably well-balanced food and like wholesome things you know what i mean so her body's taking to that and like like, he might not be a doctor but he definitely has enough knowledge to be like you're sick here's what you do drink a lot of water and eat starch like you know what i mean (laughs) yeah to be fair at this point he is definitely a predator but i don't think that elena has been victimized at all no no i don't think so either yet he's he's creeping on i think he's just being creepy right but all men creeped on all women at that point so i don't think it was anything she wasn't used to I, but I, I also, yeah. I don't know. As a female, I just don't want to justify that at all. You know oh, what no, I mean? no, 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 I'm not justifying I'm not trying to justify that all. shit. Yeah. I'm just trying to say, like, for the time, I'm just trying to put it in the, the listener's head of, like, I want you guys to get into the same space as I'm in right now, realizing how sinister this is. Like, yeah, maybe he hasn't done anything terrible yet. Maybe right, right now he is acting like an old benefactor guy. Which is fine to be. I'm not going to say that it's not. It is fine to be. But, like, the fact that we're talking about him on this podcast should clue you fucking in. (laughs) Yeah, what I was getting at is that from her perspective right now, it's probably... From her perspective, it's safe. Nothing bad is about to happen. She's only been helping. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the sinister thing. It's like, you still got to be careful about those people. Yes. So, Elena accused him of painting the, the... rods or the, the bacilli on the glass carl knew that there was no use trying to convince her any further elena was enjoying the feeling of health healthfulness imagined or otherwise so it was around this time that tansler found himself the guest of the family at the wedding of one of elena's sisters tansler recalls how after the wedding at the reception being held at the hoyos home how appalled he was at the fact that elena was basically being used as a servant providing drinks and food to the guests amidst voluminous amounts of cigar smoke that filled the small house. That's what you do when you're a hostess, when you're doing something for your Yeah, but she has TB and there's cigar smoke in the house. Uh, Okay, fair. Fair, fair, fair. Tansler sat in anguish next to the bride. How he was sitting next to the bride, how he ended up on that table, I don't know. He was probably the only white man there. It was probably an (laughs) honor. Sorry. Uh, Not sorry. Not sorry. Listening to the faint, dry coughs of Elena over the cacophonous roar of the guests. The party lasted till midnight. Finally, Elena sat next to Carl. In an excerpt from his journal, he wrote, 
I said, I admire you. You are the most wonderful hostess in the world, but this sort of thing just can't go on. Permit me to help you. Let's get married and let's get away from all this. Before she could answer, her mother, whom I had not seen all evening, stood in front of us. No daughter of mine is going to marry an American. It is to be Cuban if she ever marries again. With her head bowed. I mean, I'm not on either snaps. one of their sides right now. Right. Yeah. But, no. You know, I'm With, definitely on her side as far as keeping her daughter away from this creepy man. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's the only that's reason why this one snaps. Motivation. I'm like, yes, mom, yeah. you saw the creepy. You like, mom, knew. There are some the issues gut. with what you said, but thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's I agree a, with what Ruben said. <laughs> it's such a shame that we don't have more of. Elena's, Elena's perspective yeah. on this I really because I really yeah. would love to. I would. Lo- I think we don't have a journal or anything that. Mm-hmm. Fucking her- hey, everyone was supposed to. Was buy- she- that was their one job was to keep a journal. Every <laughs> yes, human being at that but point in, time. in that day and age, like in the early 1900s, would a Cuban girl have been able to write? I don't know. I'm oh, genuinely curious. Yeah, her family was point. well off in Cuban. She may have known. It's but it depends. Would she yeah, have but we been don't literate, even know much you know? about her family. It's if they were working in the cigar well factories, too, they were probably well, you, working. You remember, like, her family was apparently well off in Cuba, right? Right. We so believe been... we don't have a confirmation for that, do we? Well, well no, it off. says that it, it says it was believed that her family was well okay. off, but fell yeah. on hard times. So, like, uh, you okay. know, if if that's true, assuming that's true, she may have been able to read and write, but. We also have to think, like, this is like, you know, again, turn of the century type shit when they're moving to America. So, like, who even knows if most of Cuba was liber- literate at that time? Right. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I, like, I, don't I don't know historically. I don't know historically, but also if falling on bad times, I'm totally just projecting or guessing. But, like, who knows that this guy that she married could have already been over in the States and she, you know what I mean, was like... I'm sorry, honey. I know you got to school to this point, but if we can marry off to this guy in the States, we can all get over to the States. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. True. It's not well, a unique story. Yeah. Well, there is all. apparently some proof that she wrote because coming up, she I'm about to read a letter that she wrote to Carl. Oh, that ah, makes me happy. Okay, so, okay cool. So um, now again, according to Carl, but I'm bummed. With her head bowed, my Elena sat in silence. I took her hand and all I could say was, God bless you and good night, my Elena. Now, Carl wrote of how any time he saw Elena, he would give her the best presents he could. A pearl necklace here, a crystal pendant Just there. Just casually. Yeah. He brought a large radio solely for her to listen to in her room. <laughs> okay. No, no, I'm not okay. Radio was fucking high class. That yeah. was literally the best gift you could give somebody literally. in like 1901 not was okay. a fucking radio. Like flat screen TV equivalent. Oh, we're in yeah. 1930s now. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Or maybe late 29. I don't know. That's like the equivalent of like a, a full, like a video game console. Yeah. Like if I, yeah. if I gave you a VR headset. Like yeah, that's, what that's that is. A, so I was yeah. trying to think of like, what is the equivalent now? And it's like literally an Oculus Rift. Yeah. Like, right. yeah, it's the only thing you can use to play this type of game. <laughs> yep. You know, it's. Ugh. But Elena's visits to the hospital were becoming more and more scarce. One time she stated that her father's car was not working only to refuse to ride in the cab Carl sent because she didn't trust the cab company. Carl's car had just been stolen, so he borrowed a friend's car and went to pick up pick her up himself. Take a motherfucking hint, Carl. <laughs> but when he arrived, he was greeted once again by a house filled with cigar smoking, loud music, and partying. When Carl explained that they should at least refrain from smoking inside for Elena's sake, the prideful father stood up and shouted, My daughter is perfectly fine. If you don't like the smoke, then you should leave my house. 
Disheartened, Carl turned to Elena, whose eyes followed him out of the house as if to say, suffer it for me. A week after the argument with Elena's father, Carl received a letter from Elena. As if to say, this creepy motherfucker is now stalking me. (laughs) Right. Dear doctor, I am very sorry because I know how unpleasant your last visit to our home must have been. Please do forgive us. I'm sure father did not really mean what he said to you. He had been on edge all day and had been very cross with everyone. Please understand that he didn't mean to be that rude. Both my family and myself would be only too glad to have you as our guest again. So please accept my apology for the other night. You must see us soon. Your friend, Elena Hoyos. Friend. Yep, he got friend zoned. Yep. Hmm. I mean, that that tells me all that I need to know about how Elena saw him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also, can I say, like, even if, like, I might be drawing my own conclusions, but even if she, in my opinion, the whole family and she definitely felt creepy vibes. That's why they were starting to distance themselves. Like there still was a need as a woman to apologize. Right. Yeah. Like she still felt the need to write a letter and send it to him. Well, unfortunately, Carl decided right then and there that he didn't care what people thought or said to him. Elena's life was too precious and more important than his pride. That day, he returned to the Hoyos residence to find Elena in terrible shape. She was having convulsions, trembling and gasping for air. When Carl confronted Elena's mother... The she was fright- probably just coughing hard. Sorry. When Carl confronted Elena's... Probably right. I'm not sorry! I'm not sorry! I'm not sorry! She throws her arms in the air, cheering. (laughs) When Carl confronted Elena's mother, the frightened woman confessed that they had just brought Elena home from another doctor, who had been giving the girl injections over the past few weeks. Probably of better stuff than he was. Yeah. When Carl asked which doctor and what kind of injections, the mother handed Tansler an empty vial. Carl knew the doctor and knew him to be reputable. But, oh, okay. but also knew that the doctor was unaware of what Carl had been giving Elena and that the treatment he was giving Elena was working against what Carl had done and was yeah. actually harming Elena. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I can't. I have nothing against that because that very, very plausibly could have happened. But also, can we take a second and say that the family tried to outsource another doctor? Yes. Yes. Like they were trying to go to someone else. The family has caught on to the creepy man. Right. They're not stupid. Despite Carl's insistence, Elena's mother continued to try to keep Elena away from him. Thank God. During another visit, Carl was appalled. We know it wasn't enough. Yeah. (laughs) What? He was appalled that, to see that once again, the house was full of people and cigar smoke. He begged Elena to marry him. Honestly, that's on her family. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck y'all. Like, even yeah. the other doctor should have been telling y'all not to do that shit. But right. the family genuinely thought she had, she, like, was cured. If it, right. if you remember from earlier, the family was like. No, I don't think they did. Because I've been. Well, the father, many at people least, said. Many people in my family have been sick in various ways that are terminal. And there are definitely fluctuations in your health as you go through a disease like this. Yeah. And you know, and I have seen that that fearful pride pop up because you know that this person is not doing well. But because they're in an upswing, you're trying to convince yourself as hard as you can that, nope, they're better. And I feel like that's what the dad is doing, and I feel An like emotional that's, band-aid. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. so damaging, especially for this, you know, for this woman Elena. Like, but 
it's just sad. It's not like I can criticize them. For, like, I've seen my own family do it. I've done it. Like you, it's the thing that you just. It's human. You want so bad. Yeah, you want yeah. it so bad. You see them on an upswing. So like, it's just like with mental health. Like when people are like, "Oh, but you seem to be doing so good." Yeah, that's because right. I'm in therapy. But like, just because I'm in therapy and having a good time does not mean that that shit is not still prevalent and large in my life or even like just today like hi today is a good day right or even if it's like today i'm not letting you see what the bad stuff is like any of that can be the reason like it doesn't mean you're cured how many big bright smiling pictures of chester bennington did you see fucking robin williams i mean come on right he begged elena to marry him so he could take care of her in peace but she refused stating that she was too sickly to marry now again we don't know, aside from what Carl says. Right. According to Carl, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Uh, she stated the one that she joke was too that sickly. To get. Yeah, was too sickly to marry, and she stated, "Let me get well first. Okay. So never in hell. Right. Yeah. Right. But according to Carl, if she got better. Shortly. Right, after- so now he's extra fucking motivated to keep doing his quack doctor bullshit to try mm. and get her better. Phenomenal. Shortly, shortly after this. Elena began missing appointments at the hospital again. After much persuasion, Carl managed to get Elena into the hospital for another x-ray, which showed that her lungs had worsened. He gave her another radiation treatment and, with the help of Dr. Lombard, tried in vain to convince Elena to come stay at the hospital for her recovery, but she refused. I love that basically he proposed and she was like, fuck, dude, get me better and I'll do whatever you want. Yeah. Carl then according decided... To Carl. According, according to Carl. According to Carl. But I'm <laughs> Carl then decided that if his future bride wouldn't come to the hospital, he would bring the hospital to his future bride. Jesus of course. Christ. How how long has this been going on? This yeah. is just a few months. No. Really? Yeah. Good lord. It feels like And years. imagine again that this man who you have assumed is your benefactor has just proposed to you in the craziest way possible and then continues just fervently after you've only known this person a few months, fervently trying to get you to like come be near him and like take this treatment, come, take come a look get at an the X-ray, that let I've me been come to building. your house, let me do all these things. No, 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 no. That's wild, especially after your parents have been like, "Hey, man, fuck off." Yeah. Right. So he decided it was time to take an extremely powerful transformer to her home, but when he asked her family, they refused vehemently, calling the machine the work of the devil. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's about right. At the start of 1931, Carl reached out to Elena again out of desperation. He wrote, Darling, if you have any willpower left, please use it in the right direction. Concentrate everything you have on your health. Please do come over for treatment before it is too late. The letter continued with promises to take her to his South Seas Island or anywhere she wanted to go if she would come and get treated again. The idea of her going to other doctors behind his back made Tansler extremely jealous. Though by this point, all the other doctors could do was give her pain medication and help ease her suffering. It was around this time that Carl discovered that the Hoyoses had moved into another house. Yeah, of course they did. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, let's just try and go somewhere that the fucking creepy doctor can't find us. Can we just go somewhere else? (laughs) A move that made Tansler inconsolable. He spent many a night going up and down the streets of Key West. Told trying you he doesn't to, sleep. <laughs> trying to find the house the family had moved into. Dude, where are the police? <laughs> Peering secretly through the many windows. Oh, right. 
I, yeah, sleeves. I was going to say, you don't want to know. <laughs> Peering secretly through the many windows of the poorer sections of the town until one night, according to Tansler, fate intervened. An older woman, whom Carl recognized as an acquaintance of the family, called to him from her front porch. Oh, no. Your girl is very, very sick. The family has moved... It's not your girl. Yeah. It's not your girl. <laughs> the family has moved there, she said, pointing to a nearby house. Your girl is in bed now all the time. No. She's a girl. Yeah. Who girl. you have an unhealthy obsession with. Who is her own girl. Yeah. It was lucky that he had found her again, because at this point, she needed him more than ever. Carl recounted his reintroduction into Elena's life thusly. If anybody had tried to stop me, I think I would have used violence. Right in the hallway, I saw her sweet little face looking straight into my eyes from a chair in the kitchen corner. I cried, Elena, let me come in. To which Elena responded, yes, doctor, do come in. I'm so glad you are here. I want to vomit. I think I did vomit in my mouth. <laughs> Just a little baby vomit. I, there, there are a lot of stories that like we've talked about some really horrific shit, but this makes me nauseous. Yeah, and we're not even apparently to the bad part. No, I know. we're not even at the end of this episode. Bro, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> I, he's good. He's good at this. I know. He's so good. He's worked on <laughs> it for so long just to make us uncomfortable. Yes. Oh, jeez, it's working. When Carl asked who Elena's doctor was currently, her mother spat out, I am her doctor now. I don't know why I went deep with that. To which Carl laughed. Because <laughs> how else are you supposed to say, I am anything now? Like... <laughs> To which, I am the captain now. I am the captain now. <laughs> I am a doctor now. <laughs> to which Carl laughed, you are some doctor, he said. I am sure you're a good nurse, but not a doctor. I've come to stay. From now on, you oh, might Oh, as... sick burn, nerd. <laughs> also says the man who made himself a who doctor. isn't a doctor. Yes. Right. I have come to stay. From now on, you might as well consider me in charge for good. What? Yeah. Yeah. Where's her dad? Because, so like, he's got to have a gun. Like, <laughs> now or at least a sharp, pointy this something. This is the 30s. Like, yeah. what? Now, despite his best efforts, Elena was growing weaker. He wrote, before I could start, new tests were needed. So the next day I brought armfuls of fruit and little delicacies, which I knew would stimulate my girl's appetite. No. <laughs> oh, all this what? fucking possessive language. It makes I was, me so upset. I was quite shocked to find how weak she had become. She only took a little bit of fruit, and when her mother brought her a cup of good chicken broth, I noticed how Elena secretly emptied it out into the bucket near her bed. Carl began his new series of treatments cautiously. He made that up. Yeah. I think he made that up. Yep. She, she, she ate the soup. <laughs> she ate the soup. Good soup. Carl good began soup. his new series of treatments cautiously because he did not want to alienate the family. Carl had decided to start using electricity to try and stave off the uh, disease. Of course. I'm going to need like a cigarette soon. I'm so tense. <laughs> I'm trying to like, get us there. Oh, my God. I'm trying to get us there. Um, to get the family accustomed to the treatment, he first brought over a small induction box powered by a dry cell battery. This device. He probably built that shit himself. Oh, yeah. Just, he yeah. did. Everybody remembers. He's also a crazy mad scientist <laughs> guy. Right. That's why earlier when we were talking about the castle, I yeah. said Frankenstein. Yeah. Like the man's in there doing weird medical science experiments. Fucking nuts. To get the family accustomed to the treatment. I said that. I'm sorry. The device had a small movable shocking coil covered with silk cords and brass handles. With the handle, Elena could regulate the current, which tickled and delighted her. Ew. That just. Never mind. Carl's I'm assuming kind of tickled as in immune. I mean, uh, amused. I, get, I don't know. Does that sound fun to you? or Carl's plan was to attack the disease, not just medically, but spiritually as well. 
Um, of course. The little box he had invented was a warm-up for the more intense treatment he had planned on using, and spiritually, he tried to elevate Elena's mood by giving her presents. Uh. Nothing was too good for Elena. When her family broke her bed by all gathering on it, Carl had the finest bed he could find delivered to her. But that's actually kind of sweet. Everyone came there and like they were having such a party. They broke the bed. Like that's kind of cute. And now they all have TB2. Yeah. So he had the finest bed he could find delivered to her. Well, we do know that her whole fucking family died from it. Yeah. So Uh, along with new mosquito netting, because at this time, you know, there was no windows, apparently. Uh, Silk sheets and cushions and a new dresser. Carl would also remind her, remember that I want to marry you, darling. Uh, no. I threw up again in my mouth. Now she doesn't want to get better. No, She's like, no, fuck, no, I told this I guy just... that if I get better, I'll marry him. Now I need to die. I'm sorry, Dad. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Elena loved the presents but hated the shock treatment. Once Carl, No st- shit. Once Carl started the high-voltage treatment, the electricity... That counts uh, as a sorry. Yeah. I'm not sorry. There we go. The electricity that surged through her body literally jolted her until she cried out. It was after one of these treatments that, according to her Carl... Her heart gave out? I don't know. <laughs> Elena initiated a wedding of sorts. No, she uh, did not. Why? She probably... It was probably torture. No. He's well, probably like, I'll stop it if you marry me. <laughs> If you if you say you're better and we get married, I don't have to zap you anymore. We don't have to do the high voltage treatment anymore. According to Carl's memoirs, uh-huh, Elena stated, "If I must die, all I can leave you is my body." No. Oh, oh did you guys not see where this God. was going? Obviously. Did you guys not see where this was going? Okay, all the way so at the top, I knew this I knew. was about to happen. The I knew foreshadowing of the fact that we but first Don did met such a good her fucking as a job of making me tense, and now we're in this mode now. <laughs> um, the God foreshadowing of us it. first meeting her as a ghost. That I'm was his first so meeting of her. Angry. For I am a sick girl, so I can't Ugh. marry you while I am sick. But you will take care of my body after I'm dead, won't you? Please oh. don't say that. That's what he thought she said. Yeah. That's what he wanted her to say. <laughs> I was all up in a Carl promised. I'm going to try to make it to the end of this page, Don. I promise. I'm trying to get us to the end of this episode. How that long? Was the, uh, one, two. I'm not going to make it no two pages. Four, five, six. Oh, no. Five and a half more pages. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. We'll behave. <laughs> Hold out. I'll try. Uh, Hold out. So Carl promised he would, he would, and he considered it the most sacred promise he ever made in his life. He considered it this their marriage vow. It was shortly after this bizarre. I hate him so much. <laughs> it was shortly after this bizarre exchange that fate once again acted in Carl's life when Elena introduced Carl to one of her favorite songs. The song was called La Boda Negra. Translated, it meant the black wedding. Elena translated the lyrics. Here's just a snippet. Billy Idol's pissed. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me tell you all a story I was told. I don't understand that. White wedding? White wedding. It's a nice oh, day yeah, for, for a white wedding. wedding. <laughs> let me tell you all a story I was told by an undertaker of the region. A young man's lover died before their wedding. Without her love, he simply could not reason. Elena explained at night he would visit the graveyard until he could stand it no longer. 
Rescuing her from the grave, he placed her on a bed I'm of roses. Sorry. Do fuck, not use fuck, the word rescue. Fuck. Don't use the word rescue. <laughs> uh, this is a song. This isn't. This, we're not talking about oh, car. Okay, we're talking okay, about the okay, song. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> fuck. Rescuing her from the grave, he placed her on a bed of roses, and then, before taking his own life, recited his wedding vows with his dead lover. The song enthralled Tansler, and after hearing it a second uh. time, decided it was their song. A sentiment that would become downright creepy given the course of future events. You don't decide that while the person the only thing not I will even accept, your lover. The only thing is I will accept alive. is if this motherfucker kills himself on top of her grave. That's it. I know that's not gonna happen, but you know. Boy, oh boy, is it not. <laughs> Tansler's initial I, mean, I have an idea about what's about to happen, yeah. and I'm not happy about it. And it's very displeasing. Tansler's initial idea of a one million volt transformer was impossible considering the weight of the equipment would require a concrete foundation to be put in the Hoyos' home. The equipment he ended up bringing consisted of a Tesla coil that could pump ozone into the air, a throat-examining equipment, and the aforementioned electrical component. Every night, he would give Elena high-frequency sweeps of radiation, hoping against hope that there would be some improvement. Sadly, on October 25, 1931, Tansel was finishing up the paperwork at his lab and was about to go visit Elena when the car of Mario, Elena's brother-in-law, screeched to a stop just outside his lab door. Mario breathlessly came running into Tansler's lab with the news. Elena was dead. Oh, no. Carl immediately rushed to the Hoyos' household with Mario. This is the bad part. I'm like actively begging myself not to make make him into Nintendo Mario in my head. (laughs) It's too late for me. Yeah. It's a me. Elena's there. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> you must come, doctor. <laughs> My sister, she's dead. Quick. We'll take this tunnel. Jump on this Yoshi with me. Um, <laughs> the, house was, Yoshi. the house was already full of wailing and crying friends and family. Chancellor... <laughs> Tansler pushed by them and requested that everybody exit Elena's room. He tested her heart and breathing, but there was nothing. Using one of his instruments that could detect nerve impulses, he tried again for any sign of life. So it was a long needle that he stabbed into her. (laughs) Probably. That's what that instrument was, just so you guys know. Anger rose. Read read the line again. Uh, He tried again. uh, Using one of his instruments that could detect nerve impulses. That was a large needle that he stabbed into her. I can 100%. Definitely. 100%. Anger rose in Carl's chest, and he immediately spun on Mario. Why didn't you come just half an hour earlier? To which Mario mumbled that he did all that he could. She had TB in the 30s, dude. Mm. She was fucked. She she did a good... He should have known this woman was dead when he first met her. Yeah. His vision told him that. He clearly wouldn't let himself believe that. His visitation told him that his future wife was going to be a fucking ghost. I don't understand what the issue is here. And we started this saying that he doesn't even believe in the paranormal. Yeah. What Mario didn't tell Carl was that he had tried other doctors first, but none were available. Mario explained that Elena's father had taken her for a drive around town in the cool October air. A fact that angered Carl because he had gotten into numerous altercations with the father about just this very action before. According to Mario, she had dressed herself for the occasion in one of her new silk dresses and all the jewelry that Carl had brought for her and waved at all her friends she met on the street. She knew. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. She knew. She knew. They all knew. I, I like to think that when you're going to go that way, you know. You yeah. know. You put on all your gussiness and you just yeah. wave goodbye to the world. You get, you get all bougie. Yeah. I hope I get to go like that. Yo. Right. That like, for be, real. Yeah. Like, I really do. I hope I get to, like, put on a good suit one yeah. last time. Right. And just And wave just hit goodbye. the town and then go home and go to sleep and just never wake up again. Yeah. Yes. Amen to that. Carl noted like that a el- dog's last day where you yes, get a lot of hamburgers. Absolutely. Somebody yeah. bring me cake and a hamburger and then I'm fucking out. Gee, yep. peace. <laughs> so keeping in mind how she was dressed in her finest, Carl noted that Elena had already been stripped of all her fancy clothing and jewelry and was now dressed in a dirty old shirt that he had never seen before. Carl's hatred towards Elena's family was intensified, not just by the fact that they did not follow his instructions about rest and visitation, but also because they continuously questioned his motives and abilities. And now, to see his darling bride stripped of all her beautiful gifts, his anger burned white hot. Well, maybe if you weren't such oh, a fucking man. creep, they would have treated you differently. Right. According to Carl, but I'm dumb. He was, it was he who made who else all, but Carl. <laughs> that Carl. It was he who made all the arrangements and pay, paid for Elena's funeral. He could not bear Elena having a disgraceful burial at the hands of her family. Tansler selected the coffin, the flowers, and made the decision. Imagine a man being so possessive over you that he won't even let your family bury you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Good Lord. That is a lot to unpack. And made the decisions regarding the disposition of his beloved. He bullied Elena's sister, Nana, into giving back the silk dress and some of the jewelry she had taken from Elena. Though grieving, Carl saw to each detail of the process. This will come into play later. That he saw to everything. Yeah, we are. We all understand what's going to happen. Well, yeah. Throughout the technicalities, one, one, like, one viewer doesn't. One of our listeners doesn't. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody out there that's going to be There's only shocked. two options, and y'all is not the Frankenstein one. I'm <laughs> sorry. Throughout, well, throughout the technicalities, I wondered over the fact that I was able to arrange Ooh, there all is these a lot things of electricity play, though. That's what I'm saying. Calmly oh, and deliberately. Fuck. The stranger part of it was that with my brain, I fully realized that Elena was dead. But my heart, with a greater force, told me she is not dead. I hate when people refer to their heart that way. As if heart, your heart, as if where you feel your emotions isn't in your head. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of town. That shit is, uh that's so annoying to me. From, your heart is your brain, you fucking fool. From the funeral home, the body was returned to Elena's home, and, in the, and the funeral was set for 5 p.m. on October 26, 1931. Carl, though beside himself with sorrow, actually went to and worked at the hospital that day, leaving at four o'clock to make his way to the service. Tansler wrote, there was nobody in Elena's room. I took a seat near the coffin so I could drink in her beauty for the last time. Beneath the closed lids, her eyeballs seemed to have concentrated and they were looking straight into my eyes. I could feel a stare like a hypnotic touch. No, dude, she's looking at nothing. I sat lonely at Elena's side among the flowers during the last hour. At the very last moment, when the coffin was about to be closed and everybody was out of the room, I took a letter from my breast pocket and put it under Elena's dress on her breast and kissed her and kissed her goodbye on the temple. Do we know what that letter said? Yes, we do. Oh, good. No. The letter read, Bad. Elena, my darling Elena. Nope. My love for you is greater than ever. You are now free from all of your fetters and you are free to go where you wish. Elena, please come to me, sweetheart. I long so much for you. Tell me, what shall I do? As I cannot live without you, will you have me, darling? Then die, bitch. Then, then take... perish. Then perish. But like, also, all of this phrasing like literally feeds so much into spiritualism. Like, yeah. all of it does. 
uh, as I cannot live without you, will you have me, my darling? Then take me, or you come to me and stay with me until I can go with you, my sweetheart Elena, your own Carl. So Carl went on to describe the funeral procession as such. All along the way, there sounded in my ears Beethoven's Seventh Symphony. Mad as that must appear to most people, to me, this funeral procession was like a wedding march. And the slow, no. step- and the slow stepping of the pallbearers along the, along the hearse in front of me, in front of my car, beating the proper measure for this symphony. I threw up in my mouth again. <laughs> At church, the organ sounded with its angels' You're gonna voices. You're going to need to hydrate. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's Jameson. <laughs> no, 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 this one's water. Okay. <laughs> um, I already finished that. You should have saved it. Um, because you're gonna need it. I'll steal more I of yours. Take one today, G. <laughs> <laughs> at okay, at church, the organ sounded with its angels' voices of a happy meeting in the better world. It was only then that I cried and cried from happiness. For now, the long, sad, worldly struggle was over. My bride was beyond malice, beyond unhappiness, beyond her pain. I liked that he just decided fucking 40 years ago that he was going to call some random sick Cuban woman his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. She was in the hands of God, the best, the gentlest hands that be. The procession left the service at the Star of the Sea Catholic Church and entered the cemetery at the Margaret Street Gate, marching down the cemetery road to the Catholic section. For most people, funerals punctuate most deaths, placing the mourners a final and sad closure on the life of the one that they held dear. But this was not the case with Tanzler. He wrote, This then was what many, perhaps most, would call the end. A strange new kind of life now began for me. It was something like a rebirth after these last two depressing and oppressing and depressing years. Now this at whole last, story is oppressing and depressing. Mm-hmm. Now at least <laughs> nobody could take my Elena from me. Although I could not see her any longer, I felt her presence all the time. It was only natural that I went daily to the cemetery. What disturbed me was the fact that, owing to the nature of the ground, hers was a shallow grave and by no, no means safe from water. Yeah, but if he had everything to do with it, why wouldn't he have d- dug her? You because, know why. Well, no, because... Oh, fuck. Have you, have you ever been to Key West? Fuck. Yeah, no, also Key haven't. West is like literally at sea level. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, an island made of coral. Okay. So yeah. most like of the graves, trees and coral. You yeah. can't do shit about it. Yeah. I most of the graves that. in the Key West Cemetery are above. It's a lot like New it's Orleans. It's like mausoleums and uh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Soil's um, too wet. Mm-hmm. No, that lots yeah. of marble. Totally makes sense. Uh, hers was a shallow grave and by no means safe from water. There was no drainage of any kind in this cemetery. Though Elena was no longer physically in Carl's life, she was a constant present in his life emotionally and mentally. He took a tart from his plane and covered Elena's grave with it to protect it from the rain. People in the town thought his constant presence at Elena's grave was both tragic and odd. Carl continued to visit Elena's house nightly. He stated it was the memory of... Now, this is her house that he would continue. He stayed at her house? Oh, it gets worse than that. Um, He would visit his house, but it gets worse. Visit her house like her family? Yeah. Yeah. They don't even like you, dude. Yeah. He stated it was the memory of her that continued to drag him there. When he first arrived at the funeral, he was devastated to find the room after the funeral. I'm sorry. He was devastated to find the room empty of all the treasures he had bought Elena. The room was barren. When he asked where all the things that had once decorated his beloved's room, he was told by the family that they had burned it and that they were moving out because they could not stand the idea of living in a house where one of their children had died. Carl did not believe them and stated that if they were moving out, 
then he was going to rent the house and stated that all of the furniture, gifts, and clothing he had purchased was on an installment plan and that if they were to keep the items, they would have to take over the payments. <laughs> wow. Yeah, not surprisingly, shit. the furniture and gifts were placed back in Elena's room the very next day. Legally, the family had every right to the items left behind by Elena. Yeah, they were gifts. They were hers. Well, as her surviving family, it was their inheritance. Yeah. But as far as Carl was concerned, he was Elena's husband and therefore entitled to Elena's belongings. Nah. Were they actually married? I'm no. sorry. No, no they never had so. an official no, marriage. He, I don't think he ever... No. She like said, like, you can in have his my body. head, and in she his said, head. what the fuck, sure. Yeah. He viewed her funeral as their wedding. Yeah. I think that when she's, if she said, which she didn't. Which she didn't, let's be honest. Which she didn't. Yeah, never mind. She just didn't. <laughs> um, she just fully didn't say didn't. that. He had, un- <laughs> he had unwittingly fooled the family into returning what rightfully belonged to them. What's more, he convinced them to let him rent out Elena's room where he slept in the large mahogany bed he had purchased for her. Many people may be confused as to why the family agreed to this arrangement. But it can be best. They probably weren't given an option. Money. But it can be best explained that due to their intense sorrow, they were confused and bereaved. Plus, Tansler was offering them offering them five dollars a month, which in today's rates would be about ninety dollars. Which doesn't sound like much, but that's not a lot at all. Yeah, no. If somebody was like, "Hey, I'll pay you ninety dollars to stay a month month to live in your home," I'd be like, "Right after you go fuck yourself." (laughs) One day, Carl asked about the jewelry to which Elena's mother admitted that they were locked up. Carl said to hold on to them until the tomb he planned to build for Elena was ready. Then he said he would adorn her with the jewels. When the mother asked what the use was, given that there would be nothing but bones left. Carl assured her that he was going to take good care of Elena. He was not going to let her decay. And if while in the grave, Elena was to lose her hair, he would buy new hair to put it back on her head. The mother, distraught at the thought of someone else's hair going on Elena's head, produced a bag of her daughter's hair that she had kept from the last time she had gotten her hair cut. And she gave that to Carl. What? Yeah. The tarp that Tansler had put on Elena's grave was merely a stopgap measure until his real plan could be put into effect. Carl had spent this time at the grave sketching the plans for a large mausoleum for his love. From the moment Carl met Elena, he was doing something. He was always doing something for her, and now that she was gone, there was nothing left for him to pr- but to protect her body from decay and the ravages of the grave. Whether intentional or not, Carl had become the living embodiment of La Boda Negra. At night, he would visit her graveyard and dream about the days she was alive. Her tears would, his tears would fall upon her tombstone, the tombstone of the girl to be his bride. And with that, we come to the end of part one. I'm fucking so Christ! Up. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're really This is literally from that. shock. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Don insisted Nothing that even we not be Except searched. that a man was creepy this episode. Uh, Don Don's creepy this episode because he <laughs> insisted that we not learn anything about this, and because he wanted to be the one to do this to us. <laughs> He's like, I can't have some shit tier YouTuber traumatizing you like this. We're gonna we're gonna no. do this live on the show. Fuck You're gonna Wikipedia. live this trauma. And that's, for that's also why I asked Kat. To I'm come. so worried about what's going to happen in the next episode, dude. Well, I think to to give our uh, listeners a sneak peek, have you ever heard the song "Little Piece of Heaven" by Avenged Sevenfold? You go watch the music video. 
I feel like that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I feel like there's like three options. Either this is some the, the honestly, I don't know if this is the least or the most creepy of the things that could happen now, but like necrophilia is an option. It's a likelihood. Cannibalism also an option, pretty likely I as don't, well. I don't well, think we're going to see cannibalism. I don't know about that one. Also, uh he might try to pull a Victor von Frankenstein. That or what's the I feel so stupid because I don't know what it is and I know what it is do but I don't know what it is. Um I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. You're not I'm you're not, not stupid either. Are we? <laughs> you're also witnessing cat's therapy sessions live. <laughs> <laughs> I what is the um concept that um I'm going to pull from the Marvel universe. Um I know what I'm talking about, I swear. Um, I believe Vision. Um, the concept that Vision in the, the ship new... of Theseus? Yes. Yeah. I feel like it could potentially oh. be that concept. Yeah. Like, if okay. we're already talking about the hair replacement, you know what I mean? That's already on his mind, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, are we just going to keep replacing until, on like, some is some creepy it... doll maker type yes. shit. Is it still originally... Is it still her? That's so funny. Not? I just heard a reference to the ship of Theseus earlier today. Oh, that's so yeah. funny. So real quick, tell them where they can find us. Oh, man. Um, I'm well, trying let's just, to... let's just find us on Facebook. I'm trying to overcome the trauma at the moment. But yes, yeah. find us on Facebook. Spotify has ratings now. So, so uh, you've just listened to an episode, which is the prerequisite to give us a rating. And it better fucking be a five-star <laughs> one. We have a whole lot of five-star ratings and somebody gave us a four. So now we have a 4.9. And whoever did it, your mom's a hoe. Actually, actually, your mom's lovely. We appreciate your honesty woman, truly, more truly. than anything, except and for the fact that give us fucking five stars, you loser. If you give us anything other than five stars, you owe us a six paragraph, double spaced, properly formatted letter. It costs letter. you nothing, and it helps us so much. It helps us so you much. You ain't even got to write nothing. Just so click five stars much. and done, Listen, baby. Listen, while I'm bitching at you to do it right now, you could have already pulled your phone out of your pocket. Not if you're driving. Please don't do it if you're driving. Please but you could have already pulled driving. your phone out of your fucking pocket and and just click the little this thing the and then the five star. I'm gonna give you us. I'm gonna give you five seconds to go do <laughs> it right now. So much I'll wait. Look what you've like done, done. Look so what much you have tension. Done. But I also would like to say that your mom is a, probably a nice human being yeah, who can do whatever she wants with her body if that's if you having don't fun change or not. It, if you don't change it, we're gonna send Kat after you and she's gonna beat the shit out of you and not apologize. So basically what we're trying to say is I might is, apologize, but then I will simultaneously <laughs> then say that I'm not sorry. Pounding the shit out of you with <laughs> both fists. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and what's really funny is they don't know how big my biceps are or are not. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if you don't give us a five star rating, your mom's a hoe, but that's okay. So, you know <laughs> we don't slut you. And we're gonna wrap this up and yes. I've been done. I've been Ruben. I've been Josh. And I've been Kat. And thanks we for watching. We'll see we'll you see guys you next, next week with more of this horrific story. Goodbye. Spoiler alert. It gets worse. Shit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>